Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting episode of Tim Cast IRL. In today's news, Fox News agrees to match employee donations to the Satanic Temple, Trevor Project, and Planned Parenthood. A new Gallup poll finds that belief in God has reached a new low. I guess we've reached a lot of new lows in this country lately. And the DOJ is going to sue Texas for their immigration policies, or at least the way that they intend to enforce those. But first, I'm going to ask all of you to smash that like button and become members at TimCast.com. If you become members at TimCast.com, you're going to get access to the after show where we are uncensored. You'll also be helping us to build culture and help grow the empire. We're also shouting out a member tonight and a business he started. We're thankful for his support. We want to show some mutual love. GC Windsor Contemporary Neckties and Men's Fashion Accessories. Check out this upgrade to the necktie. The GC Windsor, which never sacrifices tradition or integrity. The creator, Jeffrey De La Nuez, is one of our members and someone we're happy to support. So visit the website at gcwindsor.com to see the vast array of combinations available and see why GC Windsor will reinvigorate professional fashion once again. By going to his website, you can sign up for the newsletter and pre-order the sets. Joining us today is writer, radio talk show host, presidential candidate. He even has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, the one and only Larry Elder. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, of course. Did that sound sincere? Absolutely. Good, it was good, totally sincere. Good, good. Got off to a good start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're so happy to have you here today. I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. And on this Friday, I hosted Culture War in Tim's absence. So uh, I'm grateful for all of you who tuned in. And I am so happy to be joined by one of my favorite people, Brett Dasovic. Oh. Hello. Yes, I'm Brett Dasovic. I am the host of Pop Culture Crisis, Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. right here on YouTube.com. And I am Surge.com. That uh, episode of Culture War was spicy, wasn't it? Surge and I yeah. just went through some stuff this morning. Yeah, it was a lot. It was, it was a battle in here. Yeah. Anyways, take it away, Tim. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dive right into our first story here. Fox News has said they will match employee donations to Satanic Temple, the Trevor Project, Planned Parenthood, and the SPLC. Unbelievable. All the organizations, of course, that we would hope Fox would be against because they stand for all of the things that Fox's audience wants destroyed in the United States. But here we are. Whistleblowers from Fox News have revealed that the company uses an app called Fox Giving to match employee donations to approved organizations, which again include the Satanic, Satanic Temple, the Trevor Project, which, by the way, for those of you who have been following the show, know has a chat room portal that they advertise to minors that allows for you to speak to an adult about your sexual identity. And if you hit the escape button three times, it clears your entire browser history. Cool. Is that the um, one with that Daniel Radcliffe speaks for on Trevor a regular Project, basis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so if that's not bad enough, of course, they're also matching donations to Planned Parenthood and the SPLC. They're willing to match donations up to $1,000. So the whistleblowers took the story to The Blaze, which reports that Fox is going to subsidize some of the very activist groups that despise and seek to ruin the network's viewers. 
evidencing a complete disregard and hatred for its core audience. We've seen a lot of shenanigans from the people over at Fox lately. Them getting rid of Tucker Carlson was certainly, in my estimation, a blunder on their part. I also think it was bad for the American people. The way I've described this in the past is that CNN tells you what you're supposed to believe, and then Fox exists to tell you what you're allowed to believe. If you're not going to swallow what they're trying to give you over at CNN, Fox offers you this alternative that's still somewhat market safe, it's still somewhat PC, and they tell you this is the outer limit, this is the boundary. Once you've hit this, you can't go further to the right or else you're a nut job and a conspiracy theorist. Part of the value of Tucker Carlson on that network was that he pushed that Overton window further to the right. They got rid of him. That is one step that Fox News has taken and what I would argue is a long series of steps to insult their core audience and harm the movement. What do you guys think? Right, my first question is, what did Fox say in response to the Blaze piece? Did they put out a statement? Did they deny it? Did they confirm it? I what, haven't what seen say? any comments from them yet. And I will say there are a lot of corporations that offer this type of match giving, right? So yeah. Google did this for a long time. And I know that there were cases of, of employees opting to donate to conservative causes. And Google said, no, we won't do mm -hmm. it. Uh, and so for me, I, I can't. I don't personally know the whistleblower at Fox, but I would love to see what organizations Fox is denying. If they're saying yes yeah. to the SPLC, if they're saying yes to uh, Planned Parenthood, if they're saying yes to the Satanic Temple, who are they also saying yes to? And who yeah. are they saying mm -hmm. no to? It's just hard for me to believe that Fox would, would do that, particularly with an organization like uh, SPLC. I mean, this is an organization that once called Dr. Ben Carson a hate monger. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I, I'm a little skeptical. I'd like to see what Fox has said in response because- there are a lot of people that are mad at Fox and uh, they come forward, they give a story. And next thing you know, people run with it. So I, I just am skeptical all the time. And I'm skeptical about this, too. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a prudent approach to take to, to wonder what their statement is. And I guess we'll see how they respond to this. I've definitely by, been disturbed by some of what Fox has done in the past year. But but I would agree with you that's probably right. a safe course of action. And clearly, I'm, I'm upset about Tucker Carlson not being there. Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I announced for president on April 20th, mm -hmm. which turned out to be Tucker Carlson's neck to the last show. Mm. By the way, I started not to announce on April 20 because that's Hitler's birthday. I'm a little... <laughs> Suspicious yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we started to put it off for one week. I'm happy we didn't because mm -hmm. then we would have been on somebody else's show. We ended up being on the highest rated show in the prime time. Mm -hmm. So you believe that Fox is essentially, it's the outer limits of what you're allowed to to believe publicly without being considered like far right. Like, yeah, I think do not so. pass go, do not become OAN. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, th I think that's one way of looking at okay. it. They're sort of, uh, they're conservative. I think they're probably more in line with establishment conservatism, yeah. but people see them as safer, I think. So Fox, as compared to, you know, an organization that you mentioned, One American Network or some of these other networks and online publications, has somewhat uh, of an increased level of credibility in the mainstream, yeah. I would say. Okay. You know, Tim, I have to, I have to raise a <laughs> question. Yes. Uh, yeah, of course. Do we have to question do, this? Do we, do we call him Tim? Uh, we're, all Tim, Tim tonight. we're all Tim tonight. We're all Tim. Okay, okay I see. Uh, it's so, Tim time. What, what about me? Uh, you're Larry. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, you're the one and only. If you want to be Tim, you know, I'm the black Tim of white supremacy. Oh, yes. Okay. If you want to be the black Tim of white supremacy, you're more than more than welcome. You can join us. You know, you know, to both of my Tims. The the thing is, I I do feel as though I have to raise a question of First Amendment rights, right? So, and I'm not an expert in this, but. Uh, if a company offers to match your giving, if it's wrong for Google to say we won't match your gift to a, a right wing organization we disagree with, mm -hmm. is it wrong for Fox to say we won't uh, 
give money to a left-wing organization that you you choose to patronize. It is surprising to me that someone who wants to give money to the SPLC works at Fox, but you never know. Some people well, you know, want to bring yeah, it to media. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot of people impossible. in media who are on the left. It, you know, just like there are people who work for some left-wing organizations who are more conservative and just don't talk about it. I would suspect it's the case that there are left-wing people who work for Fox and aren't mm -hmm. super open about it. Or maybe mm -hmm. they are more open about it. I've never been to their studio. What <laughs> I will say is there's two different ways to look at your question here. There's the legal question and there's the moral question. I can't answer the legal question. Uh, I'm sure Larry was more equipped to answer that one. But in terms of the moral question, I don't think there's anything wrong with Fox saying, no, we would be unwilling to uh, match a donation to organizations that despise our viewers and everything we stand for. I mean, but but legally, I'm curious what you have to say about that. It's a private company. I yeah, mean, yeah. We see no reason why they can't have a policy like that. Mm -hmm. We're not going to match company match to organizations we don't like, mm -hmm. and, and that assault our our viewers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, so you brought up a, a story with Google, and and you asked if it's okay in in both circumstances. I'm mm -hmm. curious what the fallout ended up being for Google. Uh, well, with Google, you know, I. I I know the story personally for some of these employees, they they battled through and got the donations, but obviously then had a target on their back, right? Mm -hmm. They were then uh, a band of people who believed in the wrong organization. So it is it is a question of what, what the repercussions are. I, I tend to agree with you. If they're a private company, perhaps they should have value. And I think it would show integrity to what they uh, presume to represent in, in this country. Of course... You know, I, I think Fox has done some some good things. I think there are things that I question. Of course, it is a major corporation, and I think ultimately it serves its its bottom line, which you know is is a reality of uh, of, of their business. Um, nothing, and so it's not. That, yeah. Imagine, yeah. Imagine being like in an industry full of people where you're like maybe you're like the one right wing guy at CNN. Imagine being the one left wing guy at Fox News. You're just you're just the one guy hanging out there. That doesn't well, sound like. Well, well, well there are people yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. that's what Project Veritas found out about CNN. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple of people were uh, were on tape and they were upset about Jeffrey Zucker and about how every morning he would have a nine o'clock meeting or whatever hour it was, basically telling people what to say. And this guy was ticked off about it. Mm -hmm. He said he had a personal vendetta against Donald Trump, tell us just what to say to the exclusion of other of other issues. Do you so think, there are people within probably every organization that feels that way. Do you think that the the trajectory Fox has been on where they've lost some of the support? you know, since the election and what's going on now, so obviously since Tucker has gone, does that fall in line kind of with Project Veritas since the exit of James O'Keefe, where I see people, like I still follow Project Veritas on social media, but I don't see the same kind of vigor for the for the cause that you saw there before. Like they're, it feels like they're just, they've lost the momentum that they had before. Well, in my opinion, it's hard to say that people like, uh, uh, Mark Levin or Sean Hannity are not aggressive and not passionate. Uh, they are. But I do think Fox underestimated how popular Tucker Carlson was and how much he meant to the whole organization. It reminds me of when uh, Johnny Carson was on uh, Late Night and when he'd go on vacation, uh, the Today Show or whatever show it was in the morning, the Today Show would have lower ratings. Oh, I meant I meant more like the the audience vigor. Like I don't see the same. Like oh, I, I felt well, like the support behind those organizations from their audience well, feels the like it's the, been. The ratings show that. Yeah, mm -hmm. the ratings are down almost fifty yeah. percent. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that is a good point. Uh, for me, Fox is interesting for a lot of reasons. One of the things that I would question is um, if the audience are reacting to the content and the content is ultimately driven by executive decisions. And of course we'd have to kind of examine what's going on with the Murdoch family to completely understand uh, the direction that Fox is taking. And I'm not sure how to speculate on that, but uh, I know that, you know, as, as leadership changes hands, of course there can be questions about the direction of the network. Right. Um, I also find that, you know, 
again, I think there's a place for conservative media, of course, and of course, there should be conservative voice in mainstream media. But because we tend to work on alternative media, we, we work on, you know, the internet emerging media, um, there, the thing that I love about conservative audiences is that they are always willing to seek new sources. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be refreshing. In some ways, Fox has to compete with more because we are growing stronger than CNN sort of mainstream media does because I just don't see the same parallel to what we are building here on the left. They see, yeah. they take their CNN, they set it and forget it and just use that as their source for mm-hmm. everything, as their source of information for everything. Whereas people who are tend to be right-leaning are excited to go out and explore new avenues of people to listen to. And yeah. totally, that's I, my I think, Brett, the miscalculation was that Fox historically, they've seen big names depart. Bill O'Reilly left. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Train kept on going. Megan Kelly left. Train kept on going. Lou Dobbs. You know, a lot of people have left and nothing happened. And I think they assumed that the organization was bigger than any one individual and they underestimated how, how big Tucker Carlson was. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was absolutely massive and people really loved him. Part of what I valued so much about him were the things I laid out earlier about the fact that he was willing to entertain and even promote ideas that other people in the mainstream weren't. What he was saying about January 6th and Ray Epps were things that I was very surprised to hear on television. And about Ukraine. And about Ukraine. I mean, and these are things that really lended credibility to this narrative, not just because he was saying it on television, that's huge in terms of optics, but also because he was supplying good evidence for this story. And so when he released the Jan 6 tapes on television, I thought that was a massive victory for truth and for the fight against the hegemonic narrative that the left-wing media forces the American people to stomach. And so when he left, you had a lot of conservatives saying things like, ultimately, this is really good for Tucker Carlson because he's better off without Fox. And I don't think anyone was or is doubtful that he's going to be tremendously successful at whatever he does. He already has been. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But what was really sad for me was that even though I was well aware of the fact that he'd be successful, there is something about the credibility that television lends to a person that makes their ideas more palatable to the American people. Yeah, like uh, people were talking about because he did his he did his interview on Tucker on Twitter with Andrew Tate, which cracked like what eighty to one hundred million viewers, and they were trying to pass it off as like this is the most watched interview of all time. The problem is when you look at that list, it's all ABC, NBC. It's a lot of sixty minutes, Diane Sawyer. So it automatically is kind of discounted by people because they're like, what is a view on Twitter? A view is just somebody scrolling past it. So the legitimacy yeah. that being on a network slot at a specific time gives credit in a way that's a lot easier if you're trying to share something it's, with somebody who may not be informed yeah, on what you're it, talking about it, it's a big big platform yeah. That, yeah. that he no longer has no, yeah. no question about it he also went after pharmaceutical companies yep uh and if you look at the commercials not just on fox but everybody uh, ozempic there's this there's that there's this there's that there's all these drugs that uh, the pharmaceuticals are pushing they're a huge advertiser and so he was essentially going after many of the advertisers that are on fox yeah and um that took a great deal of uh 
cashews. Yeah, I mean, look, when you have positions that are not television safe, it Ca- makes cashews, sense. Brett, you got that. Cashews. I got that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had positions that weren't television safe. That's what we value about him. But mm-hmm. when you're in that position, it's it's kind of an inevitability that you're going to get pushed uh, off of the network, especially if they're trying to stand by their advertisers rather than ensuring that the, the viewers get the truth on those matters. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is really a testament to Tucker Carlson and the work that he did was after, you know, when, when he was let go from Fox, at, I believe around the same week, Don Lemon was let go from CNN. And when Don Lemon was let go, everyone was speculating, is this because of the extremely ignorant comments that he made to Vivek? Uh, Is this because of him saying that women uh, aren't in their prime past their 40s in front of those women? When t- when Tucker got let go, was was it this story? Was it that story? I mean, people were talking about important journalistic work that the establishment might not like. When Don Lemon got let go, no one was thinking, oh, you know, that one story he told really shook up the establishment and ruffled a lot of feathers. It was it was petty drama that people were speculating he had to have been let go over. And that is, it's not just true of Don Lemon. That's most journalists today well, I would well, argue. When Don Lemon was let go, the issue to me was what took him so long. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We all wondered He's that. one of the dumbest people on television, uh, <laughs> always playing the race card. Hard, mm-hmm. hated Donald Trump, referred to him as a racist. I could go on and on and on. But he even took a shot at me one time. He said, what did he say? He said that. I wasn't very smart. Why did he say that about uh, you? Dennis Prager was on his show and he said, my friend Larry Elder says, and, and Don Lemon said, well, why are you quoting Larry Elder? He's not that smart. Why? He said, oh, he's very, very smart. And Don Lemon says, no, just because he's on conservative radio doesn't mean he's with it. Whichever, That's what whatever, he whatever, said. Yeah. yeah. What is that even supposed I have no, to mean? I have to no me? idea what it means. <laughs> Very uh, unsmart rhetoric. Yeah, I was going to say that's not like he's not demonstrating his own intelligence there. I just, I, I think that's one of the the things about uh, personalities and media that I find so interesting, especially when we contrast Tucker. Uh, obviously, I have never had Don Lemon specifically attack me, but someone who feels as though they are a. Uh, uh, Avert, they are a benefit to the institution that that CNN is better because Don Lemon is there. That type of um, I'm going to use the word self confidence, but I really, really really mean is ego is is toxic, and I think that really uh, inhibits someone's uh, performance in work. Whereas Tucker Carlson, despite the fact that he got big, really did continue to push to have truth and to see this mission right. and connect to his viewers. And I just you know. I don't see the same trajectory of Don Lemon's career. Well, and so they become different value assets to Fox. Tucker was a risk in a lot of ways, but Don Lemon was just a drain on resources. Say, that's a very polite way of, of, uh, of saying Hannah Clare that Don Lemon is dumb and Tucker Carlson <laughs> is not. Uh, I was on uh, Tucker uh, Don Lemon's show once. I think the last time I was on, shockingly, and we we're talking about racism. And I pointed out that uh, Time and CNN some years ago had done a study of black teenagers and they asked them whether or not race was a major problem in America and the majority of them said yes but then they asked the black teenagers whether racism was a big problem a small problem or no problem in their own daily life 89% of the black teens said a small problem or no problem in my own daily life in fact more black teens and white teens said failure to take advantage of available opportunities was a bigger problem than racism I said that to Don Lemon and that was the last time I was on his show shocking mm. Yeah, why 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 would we want to kick you off for that? Why, why would I quote why would I quote a poll done by CNN <laughs> on CNN? Well, it, this to, is to refute what he was saying on CNN. All right, and this because is you're so not important. very smart, according to Don. Yeah, no. yeah, according to him, not a very smart move. If you no. want to get invited yeah. back no. on, maybe that's what you're maybe saying. You're definitely media savvy. Yeah, yeah well, show, show, proves my point. You're dumb, Lara. You're not going to be on anymore. This is one of the things I've said repeatedly. When people talk about BLM, for example, they act as if this is an organization that speaks for black people. I don't remember any focus group going into black neighborhoods and asking them what kind of political change they'd like to see and then forming an organization around it. It sounds to me like there were people who also had black skin who claimed that they speak for every other black person and started pushing left Marxist talking points. Do you know what, what incident started BLM? Uh, I believe it was Trayvon Martin. 
Correct. Yes. It wasn't George Floyd. People think it was. It was no, Trayvon no, Martin. No, no. And uh, as you know, George Zimmerman was found not guilty of, of shooting and killing uh, right. Trayvon Martin. Uh, there were no blacks on the jury, but um, there was a black juror. And the those jurors who spoke publicly afterwards said that race never came up. Hmm. And the black juror said, alternate said that he would have found him not guilty as well, and race never came up. What's interesting to me about the George Floyd riots, the four months we had in 2020, is that the lead prosecutor in the case was a black man. Hmm. And I'm a tri- I was a lawyer. I was a trial lawyer when I practiced law. And the most important part of a trial is your opening statement. And he took pains to say that the police in general were not on trial. The Minneapolis PD in general was not on trial. This individual named Derek Chauvin was on trial for what he did or what he didn't do. He never even implied what he did had to do with race, and Chauvin was never charged with a hate crime. Yet you had four months of people in the streets. Why? Because the assumption was because of what what Chauvin did had to do with George Floyd's race, even though the prosecutor never even implied it. Yeah, I, that, that what's, whole, what's that all about? Well, also, I, mean, I, I want to mention this with the Trayvon. Because at the end, they were saying... You know, this was obviously racially motivated, which obviously yeah, which is nonsense. Like, but in the, I, I remember with the Trayvon story, NBC actually came out and they had to apologize for this later, which was just shocking that any media outlet was willing to do that. Maybe it's because this is about ten years ago and they, they wouldn't do it today. But they edited the recording right. of the call yeah. that Zimmerman made to the police. They asked him to describe Zimmerman and he said he looked like he was up to no good. And then they asked him to describe what he was wearing and he said something like, he's wearing a hoodie, it's black. And they sliced the phone call down. Sure did. So they said, how does he look? And he responds in the edited tape, he looks like he's up to no good. He looks black. That's evil. It that's is evil. That's evil. And, and, that, and that is why people are deluded. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a website called policemag.com and they asked people who are self-described as very liberal, how many unarmed black men did the police kill in 2019? Half of them thought the police killed 1,000, 8% thought they killed 10,000. Mm-hmm. And then people who were self-described as liberal, 39% of them thought the police killed 1,000 unarmed black men in 2019, mm-hmm. and 5% thought they killed 10,000. The answer was 12, according yeah. to the Washington Post database. Yeah, was- That's how deluded people are between what's really going on and what they think is going on. In fact, the police kill more unarmed whites every year than they kill unarmed blacks. I bet most people in this audience could probably not name an unarmed white person mm-hmm. because and, media doesn't give a rip. Well, and not only that, but when you actually look at that... Uh, post that was published on the number of black men who were killed by the police while not being armed and you go through the specific cases one of them was he was attacking the police officer okay so and there were others like attacking an old lady just because you're unarmed doesn't mean you're not a threat to somebody else's life michael brown was unarmed his dna was found on the the officer's gun he reached for it yeah and and, uh there's a guy in the famous case named uh amadou diablo diablo uh in uh, new york i think i'm mispronouncing his name uh, an immigrant, and he fit the description of somebody, and they had him in some sort of alley. They told him to show his hands, show his hands, and he reaches for his wallet, and they, and they shoot him. Uh, Hillary referred to the cops as murderers. They were found not guilty because the gesture was reasonably perceived as a threatening gesture. Yeah. So you were unarmed, but it doesn't mean you were not dangerous well, or, not, or not reasonably perceived as dangerous. Well, there's a reason they say hands up. You are not Hello. supposed to reach for Hello. anything when the poli- well, when anyone has a gun pointed at you, when a police officer has a gun pointed at you or they're telling you you're under arrest, whatever it is, they don't even have to have the gun drawn. Do not reach into your pockets. This Don't reach into your glove box. This is one of the most basic things. And all the time we hear people saying, oh, well, you know, as a black person with children, I constantly have to tell them when the cops pull you over, don't reach into your wallet, don't reach into your glove box 
Everyone knows that. That's not a black or white thing. Everyone knows that. Your parents should teach you how to properly behave at a traffic stop. But Hillary referred to that as the talk, meaning only black people say that. No. Nonsense. And 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 it's getting people killed because it's called the George Floyd effect or the Ferguson effect. And that's the phenomenon of cops pulling back from their normal proactive Mm -hmm. policing. Mm -hmm. So the last few years, there are thousands of people who are dead or who have been injured who otherwise would not have suffered had the police have been doing their normal proactive policing. And these so-called excess casualties or deaths are the very black and brown people that people on the left purport to care about. Yeah. So you're getting people killed. Because they're keeping accurate information from them. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest crime. It's sad too, because I'm from Minnesota and uh, look, the the North Minneapolis police for a lot of years, not not a great reputation. There is a a strong argument to be made that changes needed to happen, that there were problems within that police force that are well-documented that go back decades and decades and decades. But what it does is it takes the focus off the actual problem and puts it on to one individual example, which when misreported or reported the way that it was, brings people and makes them ex- extremely radicalizes people to right. the point where, like you said, we we experienced a lot of rioting for I'll, months. I'll give you months. another example, Brett. We know about the the, the subway guy, yeah. Daniel Penny, who yep. put the chokehold on, right. on Jordan Neely. Three weeks earlier, tell me if you knew this, three weeks earlier, Tulsa, Oklahoma, homeless black man walks up behind a white guy, takes out a gun, shoots him in the back of the head and kills him. Goes to another area of Tulsa, Oklahoma, finds another white guy, shoots him in the back of the head and kills him. Admits he did it because they were white. Oh, my gosh. Uh, can you can you imagine if the races were reversed? If this had been a white guy, homeless, popped two black guys behind the head, execution style, and killed him. We know Cities his name. might have been burnt down. We know his name. We know the name of the people who were victimized. Most people don't even know about this story. It took place three weeks earlier than, a, than the incident no, on the subway. I, and I had heard about the story and watched it not get picked up. What I also found was interesting with Jordan Neely was that the fact that he had a uh, history of specifically committing assaults in subways. Yeah. So we acted mm-hmm. like he was just, you know, obviously he's troubled. There is a lot of a, a reasonable conversation to have around the foster system, which he was involved in, right. mental health, things like right. that. That's right. But we should not deny the fact that he had established criminal history specifically in the place where uh, this this interaction with Penny happened. Right. That's, and, that's, and, and Hannah Claire, real quickly, what, what's interesting about this is what is the evidence that Daniel Penny would have just sat there had uh, Jordan Neely been white. Okay, white guys threatening people. It's cool. He's white. What up, bro? It's all good. Really? Yeah. He just would have, <laughs> would, would have done nothing if the guy had been white? No. It's ridiculous. He was screaming that he wasn't afraid to go back to jail, that he was going to hurt people. Right. Hannah Claire, you made this point about examining the person's past. This is one of the things that drives me crazy. Every single time someone commits a senseless act of violence, the left bends over backwards to engage in every single facet of socioeconomic analysis to find an excuse for this person. This is because we didn't fund the public school they went to. This is because we're not building enough libraries. This is because of some form of structural racism. But when a man sees an un hinged person screaming on the subway threatening your average person and he does something which is totally understandable and even heroic by intervening to help people the only way we can understand that is as racism now socioeconomic factors and the circumstances totally melt away and this is a war between good and evil and those are the only factors to consider and of course he was pure evil Never, never mind the fact that uh, Jordan Neely had assaulted a 60 year old woman, broken her jaw. Also, that he had been given an opportunity to go into rehab to get uh, city services and counseling, and he left that program. Like, he attempted to kidnap a child. There are all kinds it's of just, things. It's like, insane. It just doesn't make sense at all. And 
again, I want to have compassion. I want to right. understand, but I can't do that at the expense of logic or uh, inaccurate information. And it's a fault. And you pointed out something important. You're talking about compassion. You are compassionate. Saying that we should allow people to commit crimes is a false compassion, right? True. Mercy for the pedophile is actually cruelty against the child. Mercy towards the thief is actually cruelty against the person they might steal from. Really, mercy isn't even the right word for it. Mercy is a good thing. There's a difference between mercy and licentiousness or leniency. People have to be punished for crimes. If you don't punish them, you hurt the people around them and you hurt them too because they need to be held accountable. Plus, this is the least racist majority white country in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, racism has never been a less important factor than American life today. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the only majority white company country that's, that elected a black president. Yep. I mean, honestly, how much more do you need? Mm -hmm. The president of Harvard is a black female. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've had black CEOs, black CEO of McDonald's, black CEO of uh, of uh, Mara of uh, Time Warner, black CEOs of American Express. There, there, there are three major big, three biggest cities in America: New York, L.A., Chicago. All have black mayors. Uh, Chicago, second consecutive black mayor, even though the city is just a third black. New York is twenty five percent black, second uh, black mayor. L.A. is nine percent black. They've got a black female mayor. Uh, you know, Forbes had a list of the most influential. Uh, celebrities, 25% of them were black. We can go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. It's never been a less important factor, uh, acceptance for interracial marriage, all-time high. What more do you need? What more do you need? Well, they need a couple more mansions over there at BLM, right? The people who are grifting off of this need to make more money. The politicians five, five, who are trying five, to sell. 500 at least fake hate crimes in the last few years because they we got a supply and demand problem. Can That's right. The, that the, is the, exactly right. The, the demand right. for racism uh, is uh, exceeding the supply, so they make up stuff. You can always tell because they never know how to draw the swastika. They draw it wrong every <laughs> That's single true. time. That's true. It's always, it's always, uh, it's they, always oh, wrong. That you know how to draw the, it, the swastika bread is kind of frightening. Yeah, yeah We're all concerned yeah. about you now. I, I will say, like, when you mentioned earlier, you were mentioning the statistics about um, what they said was like, is racism a very big problem here in America? And then do they experience it in their daily lives? And you said when they say they don't experience it as much in their daily lives. 89% said little or nothing. The reason I think that is inherently is that we live in our phones now and you're carrying around a device that's telling you that the world is evil and that the people around you are evil. So they're not reacting to the world around them right. as they experience it. They're reacting to the world around them as they experience it through their phone and through data that they're reading, uh, through stories that they're reading, through infographics, through things they're seeing on TikTok. They're not actually responding to the way they experience the world. I mean, look at Barack Obama. He goes to the finest school in the state of Hawaii. Mm -hmm. Then he goes to Occidental, which is a very elite prep, uh, private school in LA for two years. Then he goes to Columbia, finishes up there. Then he goes to Harvard, uh, becomes president of the Harvard Law Review. Uh, then he goes to work for a major law firm. Uh, his kids all went to private school. Uh, and he's Malcolm X. I mean, what is that? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's offensive. It, well, it is offensive. This is something, it's almost like kind of the, the rich kid syndrome, right? No one ever wants to admit that they had a good upbringing. No mm -hmm. one ever wants to admit that their parents worked hard and that they had things handed to them. Look, I am extremely blessed. The, the privilege that I had in life is that I had two parents who loved me tremendously, who stayed together, who cared a lot about me and my siblings, and that did give me a leg up. Now, here's the problem. I'm not ashamed of that, and I shouldn't be. I think everyone should have that leg up. This is why we need to do everything we can to combat fatherlessness in the incentive structure that Absolutely. the state is trading to promote Anybody it. born in America who was born with two parents hit the lottery twice. That's right. A, a black kid who's poor with mom and dad in the house will have a better outcome than a middle-class white kid with just a mom. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wow. And the, surprise me, and but the I never number one Stop. issue in America is the epidemic of fatherlessness. 70% mm-hmm. of black kids today enter the world without a father in the home, married to the mother, up from 25% back in 1965. Now 25% of white kids enter the world without a father in the home, married to the mother. And 65 is important because that's when a guy named Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who was then the assistant uh, secretary of labor, wrote a uh, booklet for his boss called The Negro Family, A Case for National Action. At the time, 25%, as I mentioned, of black kids were born outside of wedlock, which he thought was horrific, and we needed to do something about it. Now it's almost three times that. And what we've done with the welfare state is incentivize women to marry the government and incentivize men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. That's right. Well, and there's an additional element here, too. I totally agree with you on the welfare state, but the Brookings Institute released a very interesting paper where they basically said that while conservatives tend to look at the welfare state, another massively overlooked part of this was Roe v. Wade and the fact that the social expectations completely changed. Now, if a woman was pregnant, it wasn't on the man to stay with her. It was on her to choose whether or not she was going to get an abortion. And so that that reshaped the way we thought about fatherlessness. If you got a woman pregnant and didn't take care of that child in any community, you were entirely detested. You destroyed your reputation. Right. You had to get out of town. Nowadays, that's just the, the choice that you happen to make. Yeah. The mother might have issues with it, but she could have gotten an abortion. Right. And studies bear out that having a father in the home is the is the biggest factor in children's success. No question about it. You're five, so- five times more likely to be poor uh, and commit crime. Nine times more likely to drop out of school. Twenty times more likely to end up in jail. Obama even quoted those stats once. Yeah. And yeah. children who are raised but, by a I, I, say father. It, I say it on the black face of white What's supremacy. But, but Obama can say it. He's down with the brush. It's I mean, just crazy how many like black and Hispanic white supremacists there are. There's so much diversity yeah. in white supremacy you would now. Never guess strides. It. Diversity, and, and equity, th- inclusion. The thing is, like <laughs> the white supremacy, like the KKK, I guess, is a DEI yeah. person now, ensuring that the. Yeah. Well, that's very progressive. Also, though, yeah. think about colleges that incentivize. Like somebody pointed out, they're like. Uh, Hard luck story beats 4.0 GPA every time right. at colleges. So you're incentivized even when you come from that background because that's part of affirmative action programs and scholarships. Right. But those stories often will be, I, I was raised by a single mother and that's that, that was hard for me yeah. and I overcame it, whatever else. But actually studies show that children raised by in father-only homes where their mother yeah. has abandoned them outperform single mother family. Like, it, it is the single biggest difference in the entire world. And yet, what are we, uh, you were talking about this with the Barbie movie. It, we are embracing anti-patriarchy, That's which I right. think is Patriot- bananas. And, 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 and Black Lives Matter on their website attacked the nuclear intact family. That's right. Like, and by why? the way, Barack Obama embraced Black Lives Matter. It's yep. the one His thing- first book was all about how he had angst because he didn't have a relationship with his biological dad, Barack Obama. Well, and yeah, that's exactly right. So whenever people talk about patriarchy, what they're really talking about, what patriarchy is, is the headship of the father in the household. The idea that this is denigrated, the idea that this is slammed, the idea that this is smeared, it's obvious why, right? Marx wanted to destroy the family. These people also want to be mm-hmm. free to pursue whatever deranged, uh, perverted sexual appetites they have, and family gets in the way of that. But here we are. And the co-founders um, of BLM are self-described trained Marxists. Which they took right. off the website uh, yeah. midway through 2020 because people kept quoting that to them and showing right. the old video of them where they talked about that at a, at a meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So. Well, people have lost faith in God, and so 
they have to end up uh, pledging uh, allegiance and giving their souls to things that are, of course, significantly less important than one's faith and one's values. We have a poll here from Gallup, which actually shows belief in five supernatural entities edges down to new lows. Well, first, they don't even like that framing supernatural entities. Uh, they're talking about God, angels, heaven. Uh, they bleep out, the <laughs> censor out the word hell, um, and also the devil. Yes, yeah, so so belief in God has edged downward. You, you see this, the trend over the past 20 years or so. It was interesting because as I was reading this article, one thing that really uh, was depressing to me was the fact that they were listing the discrepancy between Catholics and Protestants and the number of Catholics and Protestants who believe in God. Why would it not be 100% for both groups? You, you would think. It's totally insane, but, I, but you but can identify. And we talked about this right? a little bit. There is a cultural element to Christianity, especially mm-hmm. people who will say, oh, I was, I was raised Protestant, but I actually do nothing about it. I don't read the Bible. I go to church when I'm made to go to church. They, they don't live it, but they will claim the identity. I think that can be a, attributed to a little bit of this. I, this I think it parallels the decline in people that uh, feel patriotic and feel, feel proud yes, of America. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You look, at the, you look at the trend lines that they parallel. And, and fatherlessness too, because I, you know, there, there's a, a reason he is described as God, the father. Uh, there are many reasons for it, but, a person's relationship with their father is going to inform their attitudes towards mm-hmm. God very heavily. In fact, statistically, we know one of the number one predictors of a child choosing to stay with their religion or their family is whether their dad practices that faith. If the mom practices that faith, they're likely to some degree to stay in, but not nearly as likely as if their dad practices the faith. It's incredibly important. Kids learn about God uh, by the way that their fathers act, and it's something that we don't really account for or consider. God and how to live. I mean, exactly. children learn all sorts of things through their parents, and the the decisions that you make in your life and when you become a parent should be cognizant of the fact that someone is now watching you. Someone is looking up to you. And I think so much of uh, our anti-responsibility culture parallels this, right? Like, I don't want to think about God because I don't want to think about the afterlife because I don't want to have to think about the fact that my decisions have consequences. In 30 years of, of being on radio, I've invited <laughs> Jesse Jackson on dozens of times. He <laughs> won't even respond. Shocking. I've invited Al Sharpton on dozens of times. won't respond. Uh, Maxine Waters won't respond. Uh, Louis Farrakhan wouldn't respond, but one of these so-called black leaders, um, Kwesi Mfumi, at the time he was head of the uh, NAACP president, he was in Congress in Maryland, now he's back in Congress in Maryland, and he did come on the show. And my first question was as follows, Mr. Mfumi, as between the presence of white racism or the absence of black fathers, which poses a bigger threat to the black community? Without missing a beat, to his credit, he said the absence of black fathers. Good for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it's undeniable. And you're right, it is to his credit because the entire left wing establishment is going to punish anyone who says something mm-hmm. like that. But it's just so undeniably true. Yeah. I was just wondering if I could ask you, you're listing this, uh, this ban of people who don't want to speak to you, presumably because you're conservative or Republican. Right. Uh, can you tell us a little about how, about how you got to this, this place mm. politically? You mean how I became conservative? Or, yeah, when did you uh, well, I, adopt the title of Republican? Uh, well, I, my mom was a Democrat, my dad was a Republican, and they would have these very interesting uh, disputes across the dinner table. <laughs> nobody called anybody a fascist. Nobody sure. called anybody a Nazi. Nobody said, you only care about the, the rich, you don't care about the poor. And so as a kid, you identify with your mom. And so I was a, a Democrat. In fact, the first person I voted for for president was Jimmy Carter. Oh, wow. And that was because he, uh, 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 f- f- uh, Ford pardoned Nixon. And I thought that was inappropriate. I now think it was a smart thing to do. And so I punished uh, uh, him for doing that. And so I voted for Jimmy Carter. But from that point on, I voted Republican. You punished the American people if you helped Carter get elected. Uh, I was an independent for years. And then I decided to run uh, against uh, Barbara Boxer. I forget the year, but a bunch of people prevailed upon me to do that. And so I switched my affiliation from independent to Republican. And then I flew to D.C. to interview with a bunch of uh, 
uh, Republican senators to see if I can get the nomination, get the endorsement during the primary season. If they had endorsed me, I was going to run. Mm-hmm. They endorsed Carly Fiorina instead of me, so I decided not to run. And by the way, when I found out that they endorsed her, I said, why? They said three reasons. She's a woman. I said, I'll give you that. I'm not going to have a sex change operation to run for Senate. <laughs> she has more money than you do. She did because she just uh, resigned from Hewlett Packard. They gave her a big uh, settlement. The third reason was she has higher name recognition than you do. I said, no, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe she does in D.C., but not in California. I had a 30% name recognition. Her Barbara Box's first two opponents, a guy named Bruce Hershenson and then a guy named Matt Fong at the same juncture, had a 5% name recognition. Mm-hmm. And Carly Fiorina lost by 10 points and put very little, by the way, of her own money into the campaign. Yeah. Uh, long answer to your question, that's when I became a registered Republican, but I've always been a small ill libertarian. Well, I was going to say, if if you were identified as a potential candidate to run for office as a Republican, they must have been aware that you were uh, toying with conservative ideas. Was that something that you got a lot of pushback for? And uh, did you resist? Did you stay an independent to resist the label of Republican? I, I think so, because I always felt, felt both parties still spend, mm-hmm. and I still do. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm proposing is an amendment to the Constitution to fix spending to a certain percentage mm-hmm. of the GDP, That's great. with exceptions for war and for natural disaster. Other than, other than that, they both spend. And um, part of it is because the so-called entitlements programs are on automatic pilot. Uh, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, and a few others. And if you even suggest you're going to reform them and try to run for office, you're going to lose. Mm. Well, you know, so oh, so they, so the can gets kicked down the road. Even Barack Obama and Bill Clinton used the word unsustainable to describe the, the entitlements program. So everybody knows mm. that they're unsustainable. You just can't politically you do can't anything about it. You can't be the one them. to ask them. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. And if, but however, if you are forced to do it by law, then then and only then will there be a reform. For young people like you, they're not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it seems to me the president, and I will do that when I become president, will use a bully pulpit to explain this to people, particularly young voters, that this is in your best interest and maybe something can happen. And so what w- I, I just want to ask quickly, uh, where would you fix that uh, GDP to revenue ratio? 10%, which is that's half great. of what uh, it, it's, it is at right now. All right, which is going to require massive, massive changes. Yeah. Uh, and um, I say 10% because in 1900, at all three levels, state, local, and federal, believe it or not, government took 9% from the American people. Mm-hmm. Now all three levels, government takes 32%. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, if you put a cost to the mandates, government takes almost 50%. Yep. This is way, way, way bigger than what the founding fathers intended. They did not intend for there to be an income tax. They intended for the limited duties and obligations of the federal government to be paid for by duties and tariffs. They would be appalled at Obamacare. They'd be appalled at Social Security. They'd be appalled at Medicare. They'd be appalled at FEMA. They'd be appalled at the things that the federal government is doing. Well, it's interesting. You point out that the federal government takes so much of our money, and they have, and you're right. There, there's a, an interesting observation. This is referred to as Hauser's Law. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but the basic idea is that regardless of where tax rates are, regardless of how much the government tries to take right. since World War II, federal revenues have always hovered around 19.5%, right. which just goes to show that if you impose these insane high taxes on people they either become less productive and so there's less to tax or they start hiding their money so the government can't get to it rich people are not rich because they're stupid yeah that's right they hide their money or they put them in other other kinds of things so that they're taxed less yeah Yeah, and Mm -hmm. so you know there are certain left-wing commentators who will scoff at the idea of the laffer curve and a more sophisticated left-wing approach is to say okay the laffer curve exists but i don't think the parabola peaks until we're at 70 percent in terms of our tax rate all right well that's 
ridiculous, but at least you're acknowledging the reality that if you tax people uh, at 0%, you'll have zero revenue. If you tax them at 100%, you'll also have zero revenue because no one's going to work. And there's some point along the middle where you maximize uh, revenue for the government. But it's also very valuable for us to have this empirical data that shows us you don't seem to be able to get past 20% on the federal level in terms of what you're taking in. So why aren't they uh, adjusting the way they tax us so that we can keep more of our money since their revenue pretty much won't shift from there? That's a great point. We were talking earlier about the ignorance between how many unarmed black men are killed versus what people think. Same thing with taxes. I was at a party a few years ago. Uh, a buddy of mine was celebrating his birthday. He's a Vietnam vet. So I assumed everybody at the party was conservative, thinking like I think. Yeah. There's a woman, and she started complaining. She started complaining. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's always somebody. Uh, she was complaining about how rich people didn't pay very much in taxes. I thought she was joking at first. She kept saying it over and over again. And I said, excuse me, I overheard you say rich people don't pay their taxes. I said, I'm probably one of the so-called rich. If you define somebody making above $350,000 or more as, as in the top 1%. I said, I have my 1040 in the car. Would you like to see it? She said, no. I said, of all the federal taxes, what percentage do you think it's paid by the rich? She said, what do you mean? I said, assume this pie is all the federal taxes. What slice by percentage is paid by the top 1%? She said, oh, I see what you mean. 1%. <laughs> she said, maybe 2%. Oh, my gosh. And and Seamus, I kept waiting for her to ask me what the answer was. Uh-huh. Because she saw my face. I looked appalled like you did. <laughs> and she never asked. She didn't want to know. And the number, is, the number is 40%, yeah. Yeah. While, while taking in 15 to 20% of the nation's income. So if anything, rich people are overtaxed, mm-hmm. not under, undertaxed. Well, I, I th- she I think doesn't want like, to hear that. No, well, when you look at income tax, I think it's what the top 10% pays 90% yeah. right. of yeah. the income right. tax. And it's the bo- insane. And, and the bottom 50% pay about 4%. They pay almost yeah. nothing. And then once and you get below say, certain... the best part of that story is that you were driving around with, with your tax. Oh, yeah. Like, look, I'll show you. You're like, any minute. ticked off. You're listening for these kind of complaints. Like, when can I bring I'm in California. When you put in the state income tax, uh, sales tax, property taxes, it is not uncommon for somebody with regular income as opposed to capital gains income being taxed at 60%. Yeah. Well, Even Bill Maher complained about it one time. And this is part when of you've why- you've lost Bill Maher, then you're, then you're probably overtaxing people. And, and as someone who runs a business myself, when you have to cut that money out of your own bank account rather than having your employer withhold it from you, you start seeing taxes in a little bit of a different way. Right. This is one of these reforms that I know there are probably implications to this that uh, I'm not really exploring by so haphazardly suggesting we do this, but I'm often tempted to say we should make every American person pay their taxes that way. No one should have their taxes upheld by their employer. You should have to pay it in a lump sum so that you see yeah. what they're taking I, I heard, from you. I heard Milton Friedman say it was a huge mistake that we have automatic withholding like that. Mm-hmm. Because if people really saw what they were what they were being charged for taxes, uh, we would have changes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's true. I think that's one of the problems some of our systems uh, uh insulate people or they keep people from the realities of what they do i said i i this is one of my favorite tangents of all time but i really think that we need to breed a culture of responsibility and uh long-term thinking i think there are reasons why this 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 tax withholding is it seems nice and somebody else deals with it but ultimately uh you vote very differently when you're well informed this is a theme we keep coming back to tonight when when you're talking to this woman at a dinner party and she says i don't want to know it's because that way she doesn't have to change her opinion she doesn't have to evolve her worldview based on accurate information and and being well informed brings us to the disaster that we call public education in the inner city 13 public high schools zero percent of of the kids can do math at grade level zero Another half a dozen where 6% can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me, another half a dozen where 1% can mm-hmm. That's half of all the public high schools in Baltimore, all located in the inner city. We, the kids are 1% or 0% math proficient. It's Chicago, horrible. 53 schools, yep. 0% are math proficient. If you can't 
and, and 85% of blacks uh, in the eighth grade, these are 13-year-old kids, can neither do math nor read at grade level, and half of them can't do basic reading, which means you cannot critically think. Yeah. And you can be manipulated by emotion. So it's scary. It, it is terrifying. scary. My, I, I'll mention this. My father was a public school teacher on the south side of Chicago. And for his entire career, he taught. And then towards the end of his career, he became a vice principal and then eventually principal. And one thing he would talk about was the fact that when they, as the high school, would get these students from their middle schools, they were so unbelievably far behind that the best they could hope to get them to do was still significantly below where they should be. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very sad state of affairs you, when you look at how broken and you that end system up teaching is. To the curve, yes, and as a result, everybody else suffers. That's which right. Is why we got to have vouchers? Do you want? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say. I was about to ask. What What are some solutions well, to this? Well, we uh, yeah, vouchers. But by, by by far, um, there was a study done some years ago where government school teachers, which is a term I prefer rather than public school teachers, government school teachers were asked where you send your own school age kids. Nationwide, ten percent of us send our kids to private school. Six mm-hmm. percent of black families do. Forty nine percent of Philadelphia government school teachers with school age kids put their own kids in private school. What a shock! Which shows you the people who know the schools the best teachers aren't putting their own kids in it. What yep. does that tell you? When you see how what sausages are made, you don't want to feed them to your kid, I guess. The Look CEO at- of McDonald's does not let his kid eat McDonald's. The the people who run social media companies do not allow their kids to have smartphones. They the CEO understand. of McDonald's does not let their kids eat no. the McDonald's. Or Pepsi. Serious? Same with Pepsi. Really? Said, said he would never let that. his kids eat pe- uh, drink wow. Pepsi. Yep. 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 But it's good for you, good enough for your kids. Yes, exactly. yeah, exactly. That's totally fine. Yeah. And that's that's one of the massive problems with this country today. We think about what is best for our own families, which is, of course, what we should be doing. But we don't extend that and say, well, maybe I shouldn't be doing things that would actively harm somebody else's family. Maybe I should actually care about the people around me. I should care about my country. I should care about the national project. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that there is uh, an importance on on uh, emphasizing the nuclear family and your decisions, but the nuclear family is a building block in a larger uh, sphere, right? So you have mm-hmm. your, your family who's a part of a community and you make choices for your family, but hopefully they positively benefit your community and your community then benefits Absolutely. your uh, you know, state and goes on and on and on. Uh, I think it's a mistake to assume that people aren't seeing the consequences of that. I just think that, you know, I, I knew someone who, when she had her first baby, you know, you have to immediately make a pediatrician appointment. There's all kinds of things you have to do. And so she asked the nurse in the room who she had had a positive experience with, where do you take your kids? I want to go wherever you're taking your kids because you were kind to me and I know you love your kids. You seem like a devoted mom and I need help. And I think that's what the culture we need to breathe. Mutual assistance by knowing that someone who makes good decisions for their own family can recommend and give you advice and guidance when you start your own family. No, quick, Hannah Claire, there was an article in... The Atlantic, which is a left-wing publication a few months ago. Yeah, It talked about all the different decisions that a young family makes when they're having a baby. And they said the most important decision is whether or not you're able to move into a neighborhood where there are a lot of two-parent households. Mm -hmm. Even if you move into one and you're a single-parent household, you're going to benefit by the culture. Mm -hmm. And the reverse, of course, is true, too. You move into a neighborhood where there are a whole bunch of uh, single-parent households, it's going to corrupt the culture. Yeah. 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 Even just think about like, I need somebody to babysit my child. I don't have anyone to babysit my child. If you're in a neighborhood with a lot of single parent households, that parent is at work. That kid is probably a lot at of daycare. Kids who are by themselves. You're not going to have uh, the community that you can right. rely upon right. to call on. And I think that that's part of the culture in America has shifted away from that. Uh, I feel, especially in cities, right? Everyone's bunched up close together, but there's not the same level of connection that you have if you live in an area where it's households on a block. I mean, that's 
that's how it was. I, I grew mm. up in a cul-de-sac, right? Uh, we knew our neighbors. We knew all the people that lived on that I, I street. Didn't know, I didn't know what a cul-de-sac was uh, when I grew up. Uh, well, it, was, it was called a court, but we called it was a cul-de-sac. Cul yeah. I grew up in a cul-de-sac. Yes. And, 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 and you're right. Uh, you, you know, you watch Leave it to Beaver. Yeah. You guys familiar with that? Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's a dispute between the boys, and the parents would resolve it. The fathers would talk about it. There are no fathers. That's right. Mm -hmm. No well, one can and, say and my dad is, can beat up your dad anymore because there's well, no dads around. Well, here's another element of this. You're absolutely right. What, what has happened in media over the past 50 years is progressively we have portrayed fathers uh, in a worse and worse light. So whereas in Leave it to Beaver, you had a father who was strong. He was masculine. He was intelligent. He was solving problems for his family. You now have the standard Homer Simpson character portraying right. fathers in television shows. All, don't get me wrong. I all, love the Simpsons. All, I, yeah, he's a doofus. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a hilarious show, but this is a, a really negative cultural shift and i believe the reason for this is because when you want to attack an institution you attack the leader and the father's the head of the household mm -hmm. i got a question for you guys since mm -hmm. you bring this up i was talking to a buddy of mine uh, that i work with when i was doing my epic times tv show and i said have you noticed that on commercials the the doofus is always a white guy oh always and and he said i never noticed that i mm -hmm. said i said look at the commercials the, 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 the smart knowing guy is always a black guy but the doofus is always a white guy look at the commercials that snoop dogg is doing with what's that what's the guy the comedian's name I'm not sure. Co Corona beer commercials. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't know. I haven't you, seen you those. Guys, you guys don't watch regular, You're more up on pop culture than us, regular, regular, including regular, regular, our yeah. pop culture. He's some, Adam, <laughs> Adam, 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 Adam Samberg. Yeah. Oh, okay. Andy yeah, yeah. Samberg. Andy yes, Samberg. Yeah. And, uh, Lonely Island guy. Yeah. And yeah. so Snoop is sitting on the beach and Samberg here. And Snoop is the all-knowing guy and Samberg the doof. Yeah. It happens. And he, and he went, I never noticed. So he looks at TV, comes back after a week. He said, you're right. It's every character. Well, it's also the woman that, is that, always a genius and the man's an idiot yeah. Does that bother you guys? I'm just wondering. As a white person, Yeah, It bothers me a lot. There is no, because I'm not racist. <laughs> yeah. No, it bothers me because yeah, I also feel like we wouldn't like it for anyone else, right? I don't like it for white people, just like I wouldn't want it for anyone else. There was a crime show, and I wish I could remember the name. Maybe it's 24. Uh, and my brother, you know, we were all home. It was around Christmas time. I was in college. He was like, you guys got to watch the show. It'll be so fun. We'll all watch it while we wrap presents or do whatever. And after the first two, I was like, hey, I can play this game with you. I bet the I bet the villain is a white man. I bet the villain is a, <laughs> I bet the guy committing the mind is a, a white man. Yes. I bet it's a white man, and that is true all over the place. Yeah, and the thing is, time. like, I understand that the especially with crime shows, there is maybe a discomfort in talking about race. It's not that we should harp on anything specifically, but when you see uh, the same person being made the villain all the time, that's disingenuine too. Well, you know, the truth is yeah. that 60% of the robberies, the homicides, and the shootings are done by black people in America. Mm -hmm. The guy that does that show Cops, he said, I undershow black crime because I don't want to push the stereotype. Uh, and he overshows white crime. There was also a study done some years ago that looked at the number of people in late night television who were doctors and lawyers. And the numbers of blacks were overrepresented. And the number of criminals were underrepresented. Yeah. Oh, well, they always want to sort of go against the grain with the stereotypes. And, you know, you made this point about white people being overrepresented in these television shows when they portray crime. On the one hand, you can imagine them saying, yes, I want to defy this stereotype. Yes, uh, I want to show fewer black criminals. But then it comes at the expense of white people. Now you're making it seem as if white people are more criminal than the statistics show that they are. And in terms of this question of 
commercials showing white men as idiots and then black men or black women as brilliant and knowing everything that certainly uh, annoys me it's something that you just get to a point where you don't even think about it because it's so common what bothers me even more than that are the commercials and, and that does bother me a lot but the, what bothers me even more are the commercials where the father's an idiot and the mother's a genius because now you're actually subverting the family unit itself you are denigrating the relationship between men and women i think when you create racial struggles that's a serious problem I hate when people in power do that, but there is no greater modern attack than the attack on the family. Mm -hmm. I think the family structure is uh, really integral to everything that we do. And in some ways, some things we're talking about remind me of um, the statistic, and I wish I could remember who put it out right now, right now, but that there is a slight trend towards uh, becoming more religious among uh, Gen, Gen Z. That they are, they are, it's not that they are dominantly religious, but they are just starting to go back to church. They are starting to embrace religion way. And uh, again, especially since we let off with this uh, idea that fewer people believe in God, even people who claim to be Protestants or Catholics. Catholics yeah. uh, it is interesting that as we watch the family structure for everybody get destroyed, there is a return to search for guidance for for fundamental meeting for core values. I think that's one of the things that I'm uh, actually hopeful about in this country. I think there is a desire to find a common value and reestablish who we are, even when we are different, what we cherish and what we as neighbors know we can expect from our neighbors. Yeah. Well, so speaking of some of the issues that we see with respect to the attack on the family, this idea that men are idiots, the idea that we're a horribly sexist country i want to highlight a story from a part of the world where women actually are genuinely treated like garbage and the left almost never seems to do anything to try to stand up for them uh beauty salon banned in afghanistan is a blow to women's financial freedom so this is basically a story about how in afghanistan now that the taliban are in charge they have officially banned uh, beauty salons for women they're shutting down businesses that these women have uh, spent their their lives building we have a story of a 34 year old mother of two who's not going to have her business anymore it really is a, a a sad story i think as you know an evil pro-man pro-patriarchy person who thinks that anything that's bad for women is bad for men and anything that's bad for men is bad for women i gotta say you know i hold very strongly to traditional values i don't think there's anything against traditional uh values or traditional sensibilities of wanting women to be able to go to beauty salons something like this is just so horrible and senseless but of course the only time the left really wants to talk about the condition of women living under theocratic islamic regimes is when they want to compare themselves to someone because politics in america didn't go their way they can't even go to school yeah where's the squad Where, yeah. where's the alan omar yep where's ALC? nowhere to be seen any conversation about this today uh, yep. this is ayana presley where are they they're nowhere and mm -hmm. it's because there's no consistency in their logic right, right. i mean so we're just point out in this article that without these beauty salons which are women only anyways because of the culture and uh the theocratic role in afghanistan there are no places where women can publicly assemble without a male chaperone like they can be in their homes and that's it and women in america believes they are oppressed I mean, I just, yeah. I just find it deeply ironic and in some ways insensitive, right? The next time they're saying, you know, we're with her. I want to ask you, who is her? That's yeah. the worst. This is relativism. Terrible grammar, but this, this is relativism right. because in a lot of ways, what it is is there. You're told here in America because we focus so much on ideological bounds that are on race, sexuality, and gender, is that stay in your lane. 
You can't comment on what's going on there because you inherently can't understand their culture. And a lot of the people that believe that haven't traveled the world, they haven't been outside the US, they have no frame of reference outside of that. So you're just, instead of having the uncomfortable conversation that you might want to criticize something uh, about somebody who might not look like you or might not be from the same place as you, the idea is to just push the can down the road and ignore it, pretend like it's not happening. And Hannah Claire, this whole business about women in America being oppressed is laughable. Mm -hmm. Nonsense. Uh, Every every year that that woman that Obama was in office. I am uh, he, anti all of this. He, he, he would come out and talk about how women make X number of cents on the dollar compared to men. It's a lie. If that were true, you would fire all your men, hire women, and pocket the difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are more women now in college than, than men. The numbers of women entering medical school and law school equal the number of, of, of men. Graduation yeah. stats too, right? Yeah, graduation yeah. stats. Uh, women live longer. I mean, it. Ninety percent of the people behind bars are men. I mean, yeah. where, how, where are they oppressed? This is the Explain only uh, instance in history that I'm familiar with of an oppressed class being more likely to win custody battles, being more likely to receive more lenient sentences more for the vote. same crimes, more likely to vote, more likely to receive a higher education, more likely to be considered for uh, elite programs, mm-hmm. uh, such as being admitted into a STEM uh, right. field based on their application. Right. It's really, man, a difficult kind if, of oppression. If that's oppression. Peel, peel me off some of that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think that's what the women have. Afga- I think that's what the women in Afghanistan would say. Yes. Would say we if want that oppression. oppression. We want well, the Western but, American oppression. Thank you. Well, even so, right? What we have to consider is because of the the sexual revolution and modern feminism, and basically the way I've described feminism in the past is it's it's essentially, especially in the West, um, a PR campaign for the sexual revolution to try to get women to co-sign their own uh, debasement and debasing. What we've done is we've reduced women to objects in a different way where now all you exist to do is be sexually appealing to men. And once you've done that and a human person is just a thing and their value is merely a product of what they can give you and a woman is just a sexual object, well, once a man through surgical intervention can emulate the secondary sex characteristics of womanhood that you find appealing, now he can be a woman too. I mean, we lose everything. And Seamus, I think it's also driven by power and by politics. The left convinces women that they are oppressed. It's the same thing as convincing blacks that they're that they are still su- subject second-class citizens. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. We are the party wearing the white hat uh, and social justice for women and for minorities and these guys over here these dastardly republicans they wear the black hat mm-hmm. yeah that's exactly that, right the meme it says like uh it says republicans are racist republicans if they got to pick the supreme court and it's just all clarence thomas <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, yeah. it's just a bunch of clarence thomas's it's it's also like for for this topic i think it's a lot to do with when you take the when you divide the men and women that when you make them when you make it the woman an object, you are now inherently stopping the family from forming right, that's right. so there right. that you start it's just marxism Mm-hmm. It just it yeah. just ends up dividing the family well, further. It, it makes us enemies, right? Yeah. Like I don't want to live in a world where yeah. I c- don't believe I can live a happy life alongside men, hopefully with a man when I'm married. You know what I mean? Like I want That's to Hollywood. believe that we are meant to be uh, complementary yeah. and to build each other up through our unique strengths. I don't think that that is the culture that. Uh, progressive left tells us and i think that's inherently destructive right so not only are we destroying the family by separating kids from the parents but we are separating men from women saying you you guys are actually enemies right especially if you're a man you are the problem and you should hate yourself thus thus benny uh, thompson who is a chair of the so-called january 6th insurrection committee can publicly (laughs) refer to clarence thomas as an uncle tom it's unbelievable 
Nothing it's happened. unbelievable. You know, it, it's so disgusting, this rhetoric that you hear. When when people try to pile on somebody because they have the wrong opinion, they belong to some kind of minority group, as happens to you, and happens to basically anyone else who speaks out against the left from the vantage point of someone in a group that they, quote unquote, represent, they end up being tarred and feathered. And what's so particularly heinous about it is, you know, if, if somebody tells you as a member of the out group that they don't like you. So like if, if a white person says something bad to a black person or a black person says something bad to a white person, that's bad. But at the very least, there hasn't been this narrative created that like your own in group is rejecting you, your own family, your own right. friends, people in your community are rejecting you to tell someone like you are actually you actually don't fit in with the category that you're a part of is a far worse way you've of slurring someone. banished from the village. We were talking yeah. about Thomas Sowell earlier. Oh, he's incredible. Uh, there, there's a magazine called Ebony Magazine. It comes out once a month. There's not nearly the got the clout it used to have, but virtually every black family had it on the coffee table. We mm. did for decades. Mm. And every year they'd have a feature called the 100 Most Influential Black Americans. And every year absent from that list, Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams, and even Clarence Thomas. How is that possible? Thomas Sowell's written about 40 books. Uh, David Mamet, the playwright, referred to Thomas Sowell as America's greatest contemporary philosopher. Walter Williams is the first, to my knowledge, only a chair of an economics department of a non-historically black college, written a number of books. Both Thomas Sowell and he have had hundreds of outlets in, in their syndicated column, and most black people don't know who the hell they are That's because they've been banished from the village. Can I ask, how did your Republican father respond to this? Did he point this out to you? Was this a conversation you had at home? No, I, and this this is just something that I, that I observed. My, my Republican Republican father said this about the Democrats. Democrats want to give you something for nothing. When you try and get something for nothing, you almost always end up getting nothing for something. <laughs> One of his favorite statements. Speaking That's of which, speaking point. of which, in order for me to qualify for that next debate, yes. next month in August 23rd is the debate. I need to have donations from 40,000 individuals. You can donate as little as $1. Just go to my website, Larry. Uh, elderforpresident.com or larryelder.com one dollar this vast audience one dollar even if you want somebody else to talk about the kinds of things we're talking about the epidemic of fatherlessness the lie that America is systemically racist the need for an amendment to fix spending to a certain percentage of the GDP school choice I even have a proposed legislation to get rid of these soft on crime George Soros back DAs that's great and that's on my website larryelder.com so even if you want somebody else to put those issues front and center have me up there hold my beer so just one dollar, and, and it, it, just one dollar. They only have to donate one dollar. That's right. going to help you get on stage. Forty thousand individual donations. What kind of debate do you want, yeah. guys? Do we want an interesting debate. Yeah, you yeah. Want the great Eldersky up there, or what? The black face of white supremacy <laughs> in the flesh. <laughs> I had to. I sent it mid-season form. I sent that article to somebody when because there's a lot of people. That, I still have a lot of friends that are very liberal. I still consider myself fairly liberal on a lot of issues, but I have a lot of friends who just don't know that a lot of this stuff is going. Right. And it took an article about the black face of white supremacy to actually wake some up to the absolute ridiculousness the of the and, Brett, and Brett, that was a headline. Yeah. It yeah, was a headline. Yeah. The headline was Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. Subheadline, you've been warned. Yes. Did you frame and, it? And, and by the way, the woman that wrote it, her initials are Erica D. Smith. Oops. And I invited her on my radio show when the race was over because I had two months left in my contract and she wouldn't come on. That oh, what so a shock. Funny. Well, she can't platform a white supremacist, yeah. right? I have to ask, this like, is, do you have this framed what? on your wall? No, but I will. Yeah, you should. <laughs> Good idea. The, so, I work very hard for that title. Yeah. Claire. I, I actually yeah, want to yeah, say, what, okay, so, so when we're talking about, like, the power, like, I talk a lot about the power of the media, and the, and the most powerful thing they can do is not talk about something. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what I'm talking When you're, we're talking Thomas Sowell, we're talking about the fact that you're saying that almost all these black Americans don't know that Thomas Sowell exists. That's because he's not revered. He, he's not actually put in to right. the public spotlight by anyone that they would actually 
watch media from. And all they would have to do is highlight him, highlight his work, but they don't because he doesn't co-sign the narrative. This, this is a story I don't believe I've ever mentioned publicly. You remind me of it. Um, I had a book, New York Times bestseller book called The 10 Things You Can't Say in America. First chapter was blacks are more racist than white. Second chapter is white condescension is as bad as black racism. And then another chapter about the war on drugs and about uh, the war on guns. And that first one was a Chris Rock, uh, was a Chris Rock bit. Well, because he said, but it's because they but hate black yeah, people yeah, too. Yes, that, that was, that was a Chris Rock so bit. So I have, I have a friend uh, who Jesse Jackson does not know is my friend. And he, my friend used to work for Operation Rainbow Push in Chicago. Hmm. And he said, Jesse Jackson's office had a bunch of books, bookcase behind his desk. But the books on his table are the ones he was really reading. And there was a copy of my book on the on his table. And I hit Jesse Jackson often in, in my book. He told me there was a conference call with a bunch of so-called black leaders. And they said, what are we going to do about this mofo named Larry Elder? And he said they all agreed the, the, the smartest strategy was to simply ignore me. Exactly. And that's yep. what they've done. And I told you all these years I've tried to get these guys to come on. They won't come on. They simply have ignored me. They won't even mention my name. Yep. And it's they made a group part. decision. Yeah. Like, how, how Don't creepy talk about group chat it, before it, group it's, chat. It's so yeah. creepy. Um, firstly, the, just to touch on the fact that Thomas Sowell wasn't mentioned, it's, it's not just like Thomas Sowell is some intellectual who happened to be black. Like, he is one of the best political thinkers today. He's brilliant. He Anyone who's read his work. And he speaks so clearly too he's not all over the place he doesn't have trouble finding his thoughts he just puts everything out there in a perfectly like concise and reasonable way and and everything he's written that i've read has been fantastic but of course he's ignored because he's coming to conclusions which are very clearly true on, on a number of things i don't agree with him on everything but even when i disagree with him he makes a remarkable it's, it's, it's case it's, it's thoughtful, thoughtful. Uh, yeah. maxine waters uh Gloria Allred used to be on my same radio station, and mm-hmm. Gloria and I are friends, even though I disagree with everything she says and vice versa. Mm-hmm. But we're friends. But she would always have Maxine Waters on. Mm-hmm. And one time I said, Gloria, the next time you have Maxine Waters on, would you ask her why she won't come on Larry Elder's show? She mm-hmm. said, sure, I'll ask her. Yeah. So uh, Gloria's talking to her and then says, uh, Maxine, uh, my, my friend Larry Elder, my colleague here at, at KBC Radio, wants to know why you won't come on his radio show. Is there some reason why? She goes, well, well you know, Gloria... Uh, uh, Larry Elder, he's a, he's a, he's an entertainer, and and I don't go on shows of entertainer. You're not an entertainer, Gloria. You are a serious journalist, and Larry Elder's an entertainer, so I'm not going on his show. Gloria already is a serious journalist. Okay, <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's all good. Proving you really can't uh, claim. A couple of weeks ago, Seamus claimed it's fighting. That's right. I decided I'm a journalist. He just announced he decision. was a he was yeah. a journalist. And my favorite yeah. thing is that I, you... I identify as a journalist. Yeah. it's not just that I identify. Here, here's what I realized watching media, watching so many journalists today. What the vast majority of people who call themselves journalists do is they just read articles and give you your opinion on them, which I do almost every day all when the time. I'm podcasting. Even when we don't ask, so to. I am a journalist. At least you're honest about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, well, you, guys no, the you, don't, best... you, don't, you don't purport to be objective. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. A journalist purports to be objective. They're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's so wrong. I mean, I mean, I have the, an objective. You have an objective like a lot of journalists <laughs> today, which is actually not what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be giving you the facts. And as we've said a couple times tonight, you know, the the, the need for accurate information and the, the need for critical thinking is so important. How can you be an active and healthy citizen without those things? But I will say, my favorite part about this was uh, Seamus declared himself a journalist 
journalist here live on air. That's right. Hetero- it, heterosexual journalist? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Wow. Uh, I know there's there aren't many. There aren't a lot. Yeah. Uh, and then put it in his Twitter bio and then later told me he did an interview in which the person then was like reading his Twitter bio and being like, I think no, join- I think she was in on the joke. Okay, but yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was like, joining us tonight is journalist and cartoonist. Okay, so I'm officially a journalist. So yeah, she was she was in on it, but I'm a out, media outlet outlets outside of this. I just think that is so funny because really, like what what makes you a journalist? I thought it was being accurate and trying to be fair in your reporting, but perhaps I am wrong. It's just, yeah, exactly. Actually, I mean, it's one of these words that has no meaning anymore. When, but I'm a journalist, and, so please. When me that. and you went to uh, March for Life, and we did, I actually did do journalism. And, it, I, I said, yeah, and I said, true. on I'm a, I am now an on the ground journalist. That's right. Uh, that's uh, we're journalists, dude. We're both journalists yeah, at this point. Now wow. we are. That's well, remarkable. It's interesting how one becomes a journalist. Uh, George Stephanopoulos used to work for Bill Clinton. He was his communications director. Yeah, yeah. And ABC News hires him, and they say he's not going to do any 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 political stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he started doing political stuff. Mm-hmm. And now he's evolved. He's now their chief news anchor. How did that happen? Mm-hmm. How did somebody who's a who's a partisan for Bill Clinton wanted uh, you know, big health care, big taxes, all the stuff that they that the left wants, now all of a sudden he's evolved to be a chief news anchor of ABC News. Hmm. Well, there was, so there was a a really great quote, you know, Chomsky's not my favorite in the world, but he had this really great moment on television decades ago where he was talking to a reporter. Uh, They were interviewing him uh, about his book and they said to him, he he was basically explaining that media outlets will only forward certain people who have a specific set of values that line up with the networks and the journalist becomes a little bit indignant. And they said, are you accusing me of not being sincere in my values? And Chomsky says, no, I... I believe you are sincere. What I'm telling you is you wouldn't have this job if you weren't. You wouldn't have this job if you didn't have those values, right? If you toe the right line, you're way more likely to rise to the top. This is what we were saying earlier. I mean, if if you're a right-wing person who works at a left-wing outlet, you're going to keep your head down. And I got to be honest with people. You might want to say, I can be conservative at one of these organizations and keep my head down. You either live what you believe or you believe what you live. Yep. At some point, you're going to be assimilated. Right? You are who you, they say you're, you are a combination of the five people you spend the most time with. Got to be careful. Got to be out uh, about your values. There's, um, there, there really aren't that many wise things that John Lennon said, but there is one wise thing he did say. He said, always tell the truth. You won't always make friends, but you will make the right ones. I think that's completely spot on. And this is what conservatives have to be more open uh, doing. So you didn't go, you didn't agree with imagine there's no property? I know. Imagine, imagine, imagine there's no can, Believe it or not, when a rich guy said, imagine, imagine. there's no property. It bothers uh, me so much that that song is replacing well, Old Lang Syme as the New Year's Eve anthem. Is I it? think, yeah. If you listen to it, it's the first thing they play after the Times Square uh, ball drop. But it didn't used to be like that. They used to play it before, yes. whatever. Now, instead of playing Old Lang Syme, they play play imagine that's, that's, that's creepy that's what caused john hinckley to shoot ronald reagan was that it yeah. imagine yeah. Oh now it's God. because gal gadot did that video where she sang it on air during i'm sorry COVID. that was mark david chapman right Is, yeah that's the one possibly mark, yeah mark david i don't, chapman who shot yeah. lennon he thought lennon was a hypocrite because of his wealth but had a song called imagine there's no there's no well, the, 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 thing is, the thing is, yeah, John Lennon could have easily imagined no possessions if he gave his away, yeah. but none of these socialists yeah. do. It's remarkable. Yes. That was the, per- I mean, that's a perfect example of great Hollywood propaganda, right? To the average person, it's just a, a person that likes it. It's just a song. But if you look deeper into the meaning, you understand that these motives, these objectives, especially in Hollywood and music and entertainment, go long past what we're experiencing now. This is not a new thing. These values oh, yeah. have been part of these industries for decades upon decades. And this is how we bring in the new year in america like exactly. everyone should freak out about this i forget and, to make didn't this claim george harrison year. have a song called tax man where you attack taxes i think so I'm pretty sure he yes did. Yeah. i think he did yeah. yeah i do remember that yeah 
Well, uh, we've got we've got another story here queued up. Uh, the DOJ is going to sue Texas over Governor Abbott's floating wall and razor wire along the Rio Grande. The Justice Department notified Texas that it plans to file a lawsuit over the latest tactic in Operation Lone Star, Governor Greg Abbott's controversial border security initiative, a legal challenge welcomed by Abbott. TPR confirmed on Friday that the Justice Department sent a letter to Abbott's office outlining that Abbott's floating border barrier in the Rio Grande violates federal law, raises humanitarian concerns, and is a threat to public safety and the environment. Okay, so... They don't, they don't mention the fentanyl coming in from the Yeah, border. exactly. They, they, they don't they, mention they the tens out. of thousands yeah. of children left unaccounted yeah. for uh, at the border. Yeah. Who, who, yeah. I mean, when you want to talk you about a humanitarian crisis. You have so much space crisis, you put out a press release, only so much You can't get everything in, Seamus. Well, and, and I'd like to ask you this, because you do know the law. Not to put you on the spot, if you don't know the specifics of this, that's fine. But I, I'm curious if you think there's really a case here. I, I don't. Uh, one of the... Uh, limited duties of government is to deal with immigration. Federal mm-hmm. government is not doing that. If anybody should be suing anybody, Texas ought to be sh- suing the DOJ. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Uh, that's why we just have to ship more busloads up to these blue states, and then maybe they'll and, sue and the DOJ. What, you heard what the what the mayor of New York just now said. Mm-hmm. We've had we've had too, too many. Too many. No. That's right. Yeah, we're, we're, said we're, no more. No, we're no longer sanctuary city. I, and then I said, we're imagine. I said, imagine no borders. Yeah. Yeah. I said, imagine no countries. Why don't you let them in? No religion too. This is so. If you, this is one of my one of my favorite facts of american politics that has become far more clear over the past uh few years but when you place left-wing people in the circumstances that conservatives have been in for decades they magically have this epiphany and begin to develop conservative perspectives part of what was so strategically brilliant about these governors and border states shipping yeah shipping uh these these migrants off to blue states Mm -hmm. is they forced them to make our arguments. There's too many people. We can't support everyone who wants to enter this country. We don't have the resources to take care of them. Okay, if you in New York City don't have the resources to take care of these people, what about a poor border town in Texas? Are you out of your mind? Yeah. You know, there was a study done by the Civil Rights Commission some years ago, uh, and the group most hurt by illegal aliens uh, are black and brown people living in the inner city, those with high school or less education, because virtually all of the illegal aliens have very little education. There are about a million fewer blacks who are working because of the presence of illegal alien labor. And the presence of illegal alien labor puts downward pressure to the tune of almost $2,000 per year on the salaries of people living in the inner city. Yeah. So once again, the people who are uh, most likely to vote Democrat, the ones on the left, claims that they care about black and brown people are the ones most hurt. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy to me that uh, text, or the DOJ is upset because... Greg Abbott says, hey, we're going to put up a barrier here because you're not supposed to enter illegally. And by the way, swimming across the Rio Grande is incredibly dangerous. So we should not be incentivizing it as a way for people to enter this country illegally anyways. But that doesn't matter, right? It's a humanitarian crisis that uh, that Greg Abbott is standing the way of floods of illegal immigrations, which apparently Democratic parties benefit from. And and I think you're totally right to bring up the fact that they... uh, continuously fail to advertise the cost and who is truly impacted by this. I have said over and over again that not only are illegal immigrants uh, themselves, especially people who are trafficked across the border, abused and hurt in the process, but also every community, every person affected by this pays a price that when we say, but it's just mean, you can't put a wall there. You You can't put floating buoys in the water. And Democrats Democrats used to agree with you. I put on my my website uh, a montage I did some years ago of Bill Clinton, uh, Barack Obama. Um. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Diane Feinstein. Chuck Schumer, all talking about the damage done by unfettered illegal immigration. Uh, Harry Reid even used the the word illegal alien. Doesn't he know? They all used to say this, and then they did a 180 when they realized that the votes were, were among uh, Hispanics, and they figured that at some point, by letting a bunch of illegal aliens in, there'd be enough pressure to put on to make them uh, residents and then citizens, and then they would vote, re- vote Democrat. If... Legal aliens turn residents, turn voters, would vote Republican. We would not be having this conversation. Well, and not only that, but when they go to places that tend to vote blue, they uh, artificially inflate representation there. Mm-hmm. The pollsters say there are more people there so that they have to, you know, increase but their seats. But I also want to mention this horrible, horrible term you used, illegal alien. Don't you know that the preferred term is friend we haven't made yet? <laughs> <laughs> but what, dare you, what you yes. said is true because uh, they point that out about Cuban immigrants and people who come over from Cuba that who they know have a tendency not to vote in the same way because they came from a socialist right. uh, country and so they don't play to that demographic the same way they do those at the Texas border. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't there, I, I, I might be misremembering, but there was this wet foot, dry foot yeah. policy right. that actually made it more difficult for people who entered the nation uh, on rafts, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people who came from Cuba to right. enter, that's kind of interesting. That's right. yeah, yeah. There's a complete bias. And what, what I find, uh, like, just totally disturbing is i mean first off we have to acknowledge that greg abbott responds with texas has the sovereignty to enforce border security yeah and i have to you know you can criticize greg Abbott for a lot of things but i i really like that he has made this a priority for his administration i like that he is willing Mm -hmm. to to make bold choices um again with the busing everyone can accuse him of theatrics i think it's good i think everyone should be aware of what's going on uh and you know one of the strangest things that's happened to me since i began working conservative media is i think instagram figured it out even though my instagram is very you know just personal and not political at all uh it started sending me videos that some of the border chiefs take and post on their social media platforms. And the just obvious traffic that goes through that area, the obvious destruction that comes through is uh, something that I wish more people talked about. I didn't seek that mm-hmm. out. Instagram has identified me as a conservative. They have figured it out. But it is interesting to me that you won't see uh, that that reality portrayed i mean the obvious case of this is uh with the the group of haitian migrants who are under the right. bridge yeah. and trying to cross and um and alexander mallorca reprimanded the border patrol officers who were on horseback saying they whipped them they did yeah. this and, and, they, and they didn't and they well, didn't complete, they got proved the photographer testified against it and mayorkas is still in office letting our border policy continue and also not standing by the agents who are doing their best given the limited resources that they have considering the federal government consistently undermines states that are trying to be proactive like texas and the I, difference between democrats uh, that i assembled in that montage who were complaining about legal immigration 20 years ago uh, and now the average illegal immigrant coming from the southern border was a Mexican on foot coming across the border. Now, 100% of them pretty much have, are paying cartels 
Yeah, well, and not, not only that, the not whole, only that, the, the vast has been taken the, over by the cartels. The majority of people who are being trafficked across the border are not Mexican. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was having a conversation with Jenny Terror about this, who's a, a reporter and journalist, an actual one, who, who's gone down to the border <laughs> several times. What she told me is that this is her. She said she has not spoken to a single Mexican mm-hmm. the entire time she's been down there. Now, I understand that that's anecdotal. That's the experience of one journalist. But statistically, the majority of them are not from Mexico. No, I was going to point out our own show. I'm going to cite ourselves, citing the Los Angeles Times, uh, when the four bus of migrants arrived in LA this week from Texas the majority were from Venezuela the, this mm-hmm. is not fair to anyone which is weird because socialism's great I, I thought we love socialism I can't yeah. no one can explain it well they're here to evangelize about socialism. Do they listen yeah. to the imagine song over <laughs> they, there they heard it yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no I, I mean I just think that immigration is one of these issues that I'm so glad that more people are talking about because again it's the the fact that the DOJ looks at Texas putting up a floating buoy wall the kind that you would see like if you were swimming at a lake right. and they're saying don't go too far uh, the, they're Super saying racist. that they are trying to deter people from illegally entering the country which by the way they are risking their lives they're, they're being put into horrible situations while they're doing the humanitarian crisis is Texas mm-hmm. trying to stop this and not the idea that anyone uh-huh. is willing to take children and do this uh, take this journey is is crazy to when, me. when biden got elected uh, abc's martha raddatz uh, interviewed this guy who had just come across the border mm-hmm. and she said to him would you have tried this if president trump had gotten reelected he said no of course not mm-hmm. <laughs> of course no. not. And she was shocked yeah. she said really she said yes <laughs> biden has given us permiso she was shocked. Like, who's not going to try this? Are you kidding? Yeah, no, are you, one of, of course not. One of the people <laughs> respond to incentives. That's people, right. Hello? when the laws are being enforced, people are less likely to break them. Isn't that wild? One of the statistics that uh, Republicans quote a lot, especially when uh, Andy Briggs, uh, Biggs entered the motion to uh, uh, impeach Mayorkas a little bit earlier this year. One of the statistics that comes up is the number of people who are on the FBI's most wanted list who are apprehended at the yes. border. And they're saying there are more people apprehended at the border on the FBI most wanted list under Biden. And that sounds a little weird, like they're doing a better job of catching them. No, it's because under Trump, they didn't come near the border. Yeah, that's right. There's, like, some, there's way more. They, this it's is way more. Bizarre. They and, do things like and this. Those are, those are the ones they caught. Those are exactly. the ones they caught. They also do things where they'll say like, oh, Barack Obama actually stopped more people from crossing the border than Bush did. That's not true. They just redefined what it meant to stop somebody at the border right. under the Obama. Obama administration. Right. Sure. And they had, uh, what was it, Title 42, where there were all sorts of issues uh, with related to COVID that we ended up terminating because the Biden administration mm-hmm. took it away and then had to put it back. I mean, I think the the immigration issue is just profound. It really affects our country. I, I was wondering if you want to talk a little bit more about your stance yeah, as a potential president. Uh, are you I, I, are you looking I, to restrict I, I, any I, legal immigration? I, I, would, I would put back the Trump policies that gave us the most secure border we've ever had. Uh, the stay in Mexico policy, I would stop catch and release. I would apprehend and, uh, uh, and put in confinement the people who are crossing the border illegally because that's the only way you can deport them. Mm-hmm. Once you put them in, in the interior, they're going to stay forever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we need temporary workers if they're truly temporary. Uh, and there are some high-skilled uh, workers that we that we need, but we should determine the number, the amount, and how long they stay. So can, can I ask you something just related, not necessarily to uh, illegal immigration, but your own policies? What, what would be your administration's priority? What's the first thing that you would do if you were elected? First thing I would do uh, is to stop this war on oil and gas, allow uh, drilling on federal properties, and I would uh, finish the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, again, reverse the uh, anti-Trump uh, policies that Biden has implemented. Those are the first couple things I would do. Mm. Yeah, you you don't want to keep the uh, shipping containers that they have in Arizona. Actually, they made Doug Ducey take them down, right? Uh, these gaps in the walls oh that he creatively fixed. Um, how did the catch and release policies affect the migrants that were brought in and then bust to other lo- other states, bust to blue states? 
Nothing. I mean, once once you're here, yeah. there's no way to get you out yeah. unless you're yeah. willing to go door to door and drag people out. And of course, uh, the media images will be such that the NAACP. I mean, but that's a, a, ACLU will what sue do you. you mean? They once, might once once they are here. A here. big part. They're, they're going to go to their yeah, court date to right sign. Yeah, they, they're going to go to their court they, they date to sign six have, years have, from now. They have a court yeah. date. and You're supposed to show up. Yeah. If you, and if you don't, nothing happens. It's wild. Well, and that's the thing. I I tend to agree with you. People will say we can't do deportations. They're so horrible. I agree. It's an ugly thing. That's why we need a very strong border so that we can minimize the number of deportations necessary mm-hmm. would you agree would you uh agree with ending birthright citizenship because it incentivizes i don't believe that the 14th amendment ever really conferred birthright citizenship mm-hmm. it's the way the supreme court has interpreted it or the way we think the supreme court has interpreted it but the drafter of that wanted to make sure that the blacks newly freed blacks were treated equally it was not designed to say if you come here illegally drop a kid that kid is an american citizen it was not designed for that at all I think these are all interesting reforms. I wonder if you would uh, want to expand a little more on potentially capping legal immigration. You were mentioning that skilled well, workers, but maybe... Right. I, I don't have a number in mind, but the point is there are workers who have skills that we don't have, uh, science, technology, engineering, math kind, kinds of people. Uh, and I have no problem with having a certain number of H-1B visas provided they're, they're temporary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's certain fields, agriculture, where uh, there's work that... Uh, uh, people will do at prices that we're unwilling to pay, uh, and that's seasonal. We should be able to do that and and make sure that people go back. Yeah, that's mm. interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I find H one B visas such an such an interesting area because you know you I've heard I've talked to a lot of uh, young Democrats actually who talk about brain drain in the states, right. and I I feel like we have a responsibility to acknowledge that when we incentivize you know another country's best and brightest away and don't encourage them to return, we are actually doing that country a disservice. Mm. Well, our our job is to do America a service, That's not, true. not not to worry about other com- other countries. I'm an America first guy, and, but but we would not need to import these kinds of people if we were doing better job K through twelve. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and that's 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 absolutely correct. People will talk often about the fact that we're effectively uh, importing. In underclass, we're bringing people in who have no skills to have them do jobs that Americans aren't unwilling to do, but would do if they they paid a more decent wage, um, and. What people don't want to acknowledge is that it's also the case that when you're importing people with H-1Bs, I think sometimes that can be good. But what we should want is for our country to produce citizens who are capable of doing those jobs. And we shouldn't use H-1B visas as a means to get rid of people who are doing the jobs just to pay the workers coming in less money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's exploitation. So um, uh, where, where are your stances on some of the other uh, hot button issues right now? How, would you, how do you feel? I, I, I think I can probably make some guesses. I know you're more conservative, but when it comes to like the LGBTQ lobby or your stance on abortion or a federal abortion ban, where would you put yourself? Well, on abortion, I am pro-life, um, but it, it's an issue that should be determined by the states the way it was until 1973 when the Supreme Court took up Roe v. Wade. Uh, every state will determine its uh, own own path. I think our side falls down when we don't put the other side on the spot and ask them, at what point do you believe a pregnancy has gone so far that to terminate it would become a murder? Uh, I try to get Gavin Newsom to uh, answer that question. Nobody would answer mm-hmm. it. I was called an extremist. Um, and Bernie Sanders, however, in one of the debates did say it's up to a woman to choose. Really? Um, it's insanity. A, a moment before birth? So that guy uh, who's behind bars in Philadelphia, Dr. Kermit Gosnell, should be free because remember that guy that was prosecuted right. for performing late-term abortions? I guess he's been persecuted. He's a political prisoner. He should be let, let go. The the left is never put to task on giving us a definition at what point do they feel pregnancy has gone so far. Yeah, and, I, and I, also think, I, also but... think, I also think, though, um, 
Seamus, that the pro-life people have not only talked the talk, they've walked the walk. There are thousands of pregnancy centers all over the country uh, with resources for education uh, and for uh, job training. And there are probably 35 couples for every one baby uh, willing to adopt. So Hmm. uh, the resources are there. Uh, Women have other choices, and we should make it clear to them that they do have another choice other than to have an abortion. You're absolutely correct that uh, there are more couples on the waiting list to adopt than there are unplanned pregnancies in the U.S. each year. When you look at the statistics on women who have abortion, they often say it's because they didn't think there was any other option or anyone willing to help them. Again, that's not an excuse, but it just goes to show that if we had these resources for them, if we let them know that life was an option, uh, then they'd be willing to choose it. I will disagree with you on one thing. I do believe in a federal abortion ban. I, I think we have to protect life uh, in all cases, in all states. I think that if- to, to, to me, it's hypocritical for me to years for years say that Roe v. Wade never should have been taken up, mm-hmm. that the Supreme Court never should have uh, found invalid every single abortion law of all the other, other states to make this a federal issue. And then to say, on the other hand, Roe v. Wade is overturned. Now let's have a federal bill. Ronald Reagan was at least principally consistent when he mm-hmm. said that he w- was going to push for an amendment to ban abortion. Yeah. Uh, that would be something that would would be consistent legally. He didn't do it, but he said he would do that. Yeah, that, that's something I would like. I So my position is not that Roe v. Wade was necessarily bad because it overturned every state's laws. I do think that is a negative about it, but mm-hmm. primarily because it allowed for unborn children to be killed in the United States. Well, they already were. Uh, mm-hmm. in, in, yes, in, New York, in certain in, states. In New York, yes, California. Absolutely. In fact, that's where, true. where the majority of, of women lived, uh, there was pretty much abortion on demand, even before Roe v. Mm-hmm. Wade. Yeah, no, that that's correct. That's mm-hmm. correct. And I would still see that as an evil, but... I love that you brought up the pregnancy centers, if I can just interject here. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I read an article about how Yelp in particular, this is in the wake of Roe, was specifically flagging pregnancy centers. So centers that offer, you know, like you're mentioning, healthcare services, they don't offer abortion. They might talk to you about adoption as an option. They might talk to you about job training, other kinds of support. Uh, Yelp was in particular uh, trying to warn people that this is not what you're looking for. And they were trying to make sure that they could distinguish between them. And I find that to be somewhat sad, right? I I feel as though we should uh, always encourage women to know that there are other options. I I personally feel like there's a lot lot to be said for foster care reform in this country. Mm -hmm. But like you're saying, it's not that there are spaces in homes where people are willing to foster. It's that there are couples willing to adopt. Absolutely. Are there changes that could be made to the adoption process? Well, adoption is hard because foster care ultimately the 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 aim of foster care is to reunite children with their parents, yeah. right? And I think that's honorable, and I think that's good. Mm-hmm. I think we also can agree that there are some people who just, through the circumstances of their lives, the the positions they're in, are not capable of raising their children, and that those children deserve to be with loving, stable parents yeah. who can give them as much uh, as possible. So it's a really tricky conversation because I would never. This is a conversation that I had with a lot of libertarians as I was uh, as combing through my philosophy because you know I don't want the state to tell me how to parent on the other hand i think we can all look at some circumstances and say you should not have your children i mean there are enough uh terrible cases of uh of 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 fatal abuse of children that i don't need to give you an example right that like we know this happens uh and how we navigate that as a culture and society for me it's small scale you Mm -hmm. need to have communities that are responsible for what's going on there but that also means you have to know your neighbors and you have to know your values uh adoption you know, I don't know if you want to talk, jump in here, but uh, adoption ne- doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily an easy path. I just think it's something that more people should consider. Mm-hmm. And I think especially for women who are in a position, if they're not ready to raise a child, um, that, you know, number one, really is that, are, are you not wanting to, but you are capable mm-hmm. of it? And also, 
right. what are your options? Because there is probably someone who would be willing to do and that. And there are a lot of couples that simply cannot conceive, a mm-hmm. lot of them. Yeah. I was campaigning in Iowa recently, and there was a, a elderly couple, and I started talking to them and asking what they what, what they did, and I asked them if they had, if they had children, and uh, she said no, he said no. And I said, if you don't mind my asking, um, may I ask you why? And she said, he couldn't get me pregnant. He said, he's sitting there. He goes, put it all on him. Yeah, yeah. And I said, did you guys consider adoption? And they said, we considered it. We decided against it. But looking back at it, we wish we had. Mm. Yeah, um, it's such a sad thing, too, because now you have so many people doing in vitro, which requires for you to create new life that ends up being destroyed in the process when there are so many children who need a home. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many children out there who could have a family, who could have a loving childhood if they were adopted. And you can make the argument that there are some people who might adopt that child and their life might be less than ideal. (sighs) Sure, but they're alive. They haven't been killed. Mm-hmm. We're also moving or, towards designer pregnancies with surrogacy and, well, and things like that. I was going to rest a Sophia. So I have an article up on Timcast right now because I just couldn't not write it because Sophia Vergara, the yep. modern family actress, announced that she's getting divorced. And I can't see her without thinking about uh, the article her ex Nick Slow wrote about his battle to gain essentially custody, although embryos are treated like property uh, of the frozen embryos that they had created together, that she said, you know, I don't want children out there with my DNA that I'm not raising. I don't want you to raise them. And I don't want to be reclassified as an egg donor. And so those frozen embryos are still on ice and mm-hmm. they exist. They are, you know, it's 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 a really, I, I, I summarized it in the article. You should all check it out on timcast.com because it's great. Uh, no, but it, I mean, part of it is the argument around when does life begin and yeah. also if you made an agreement. So one of the things I found interesting, maybe you can comment on this, uh, is they had to sign a contract saying, you know, they would bring, they were always going to use a surrogate and they were going to mutually consent to, to, uh, have these children born into the world but there wasn't a contingency as apparently is required by california state law i'm not a legal expert i can't speak to this uh for them they were supposed to make a plan for what happens if they split up yeah. and, mm-hmm. they and they did not so he wanted was the contract it was it, was a contract executed in california i believe so, so it's an invalid contract now they ruled a uh, california judge ruled in her favor they mm. said that he was aware of this uh, agreement that they agreed to mutually bring the children into the world. So therefore, the fact they broke up is irrelevant. This is what we call a man-made horror beyond our comprehension. This stuff is just, it's insane. You're seeing it with celebrities now. It's not even because of inability to get pregnant. It's that they don't want to damage their body. Mm -hmm. And they want to, the women don't want the stretch marks. They don't want to go through the process of birth. And then there are stories of celebrities who are then saying after the fact, shockingly, I had a hard time connecting with my child after they were born Mm -hmm. because they didn't actually go through the process yeah. of giving birth to the baby. And it, well, it's it's not just that. I mean, there are people who adopt children and, and I uh, know people who've adopted children. And what I will say is I can't tell you the statistics on how often they bond, but I would argue it probably happens often. I would imagine they bond pretty well because when you adopt a child, that's a choice that is made selflessly, mm-hmm. right? Whereas there there is, and look, I know there are a lot of people I've spoken to and known who have done in vitro and uh, done surrogacies. And I want everyone who hears me saying this, who's done that to understand, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with your child. I'm glad your child is in the world. If somebody is the victim of abuse and they become pregnant, I think the abuse was wrong, but I'm glad that that child exists, right? So I don't hate you, I don't hate your child, but I really think it's wrong. And I I think ultimately it is a, a selfish decision that results in human life being destroyed. And also it, in some sense, makes it less 
it makes it more difficult for children who you could have adopted, who could have had a home, who could have had a loving family to end up seeing that home because one was made in a, a Petri dish instead. Yeah. Well, and I'll say from the research I've done with adoption and the interviews I've, I've, I've listened to with people who adopt, part of it is the, they know they're adopting. They know this child comes from different circumstances. Maybe the child is, you know, adopted them right from the hospital. Maybe this child has, you know, been in in the world for a little while and they intentionally cultivate relationships and they, you know, some people talk about like uh, cocooning. They'll, they'll specifically spend a lot of time as a nuclear family, letting this child adjust to it mm-hmm. before they venture out into the world. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't say for sure, but maybe with surrogacy, some people expect because it is your, your tissue that you'll have that experience. And I think, uh, pregnancy is a very unique experience and i think also that that's one of the beautiful things about adoption that people intentionally go into knowing that they are going to maybe have to put a little more work in but the the bonding and love can be just as real yeah there, it's there a beautiful is thing yeah, insane sorry, about um the idea that there are women that make a career now out of sur- you know being surrogates right like there's when you actually paid for it yeah mm-hmm. like what's well, like uh was like kim kardashian or something underpaid her her surrogate or something like that like and you just think about that and this is a woman who said she's done it multiple times and you're just like that's that's well, she what what's, the what's, what's, the going, what's the going rate i don't e- i don't even know what it was but the fact I mean, that there's a going rate at all i've seen it no i've seen insane. some of the numbers it's like and it's look there it's is no amount of money except there's no amount of money that makes that worth it but i've seen some statistics that say like thirty thousand for a 30, pregnancy less than that or i mean yeah. other things right so they'll cover your health care they'll give you extra money for food uh if you're kim kardashian so you're probably also paying for her silence, that sounds a little odd, but like you're yeah. paying her not to go to the media and be like, oh, I'm Kim Kardashian surrogate. Well, since men, uh, since men can get pregnant, I guess it's a, yeah, it's a job that men, men can do too. It's yeah. so, I mean, the whole situation's so sad. I, this is what we forget. This is part of why a country like this, a, a free nation, a nation with a market system can only function with a virtuous population. There are some things you cannot sell. There are some things you should not be able to sell. This is one of those things. Imagine the trauma that a person goes through. Giving birth for a child just to give it away for money, right? We're not talking about, I had this child and I, and, and, you know, I loved them. I didn't want to uh, abort them. I did the right thing by them, but I couldn't take care of them. So I gave them to a family who could. We're just, we're talking, I got pregnant to make this money. And now what do you think is going to happen? You think a woman who's pregnant and forming that bond with that child is going to go, well, they're paying me. So now I'm not going to form this no, spiritual and yeah, physical there, and neurochemical there, there, bond with the child. There have been many instances in which the surrogate mother has changed her mind. Yep. Yeah. And the courts have decided, sided with the surrogate mother. Yep. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is good. I'm mm-hmm. glad to hear that. I'm glad there's a legal precedent mm-hmm. for that oh, then, yeah. for siding with the mother. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's such a sad thing. It's such a sad thing overall. Um, but we are actually going to head over to Super Chats now, where we're going to let the fans uh, ask us some Super questions. Super Chats. Yes. Yeah, so people who, who chat in, give us a couple dollars. Okay. Yeah, here we are. So we have uh, from I'm Not Your Buddy Guy says, it does bother me that many leaders in the West, especially in the U.S., are acting as if they know they can never be removed from power again. That's an interesting point. What, what do you guys think about Term that? limits. Mm, no, I don't know we, that no, I, I don't no, agree with I, term limits. I, I've had, no, I'm we, saying we just, had, I'm just saying we need term limits. We've had I, term limits in California for a number of years. The state's gotten bigger and bigger. What happens is the special interests know what's going on. The politicians are trying to figure out where the bathroom is. Next thing you know, they're termed out. Mm-hmm. But I do believe in term limits for voters. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, after you voted Democrat two or three times, you lose your right to vote. <laughs> I proposed that and nobody uh, picked it up. I can't, well, can't imagine can't figure why. Out why. Well, one thing I'll say too, this is part nobody of why- Nobody co-sponsored that bill. Uh, this, is why, this is kind of the reason why I don't like term limits because 
politicians who are going to lie to you and steal from you are a dime a dozen. We're going to get plenty of those and term limits aren't really going to get rid of those people. But the the once in a generation type leaders who actually come around and want to do the right thing, they then only get a few years to lead when historically, you know, they could be elected and reelected and reelected and reelected because right. they did such a good Plus job. Plus it's all about choice. I should have the choice to choose somebody over and over and over again if I want to. That, that said, I think there is something to be said, especially when looking at our current political landscape about there being, um, you know, cognitive tests and much harsher adherence to uh, standards that would ensure that those not, in power you're, have... You're not, you're not referring to Joseph Robinette Biden. No, we're referring to Diane Feinstein. <laughs> oh, okay. so the thing well. is, there's like a few people over the past couple years I could have been referring to, but now, yes, Joe Biden. Yeah. This is something I remember hearing my entire childhood, at, you know, when I was learning about politics in school, when I was learning about the history of the 80s. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They would mock the Republicans for having a, a president, Ronald Reagan, who they claim ended up becoming demented or senile towards the end of his presidency. That may or may not be true. I can't tell you the history there. I can't tell you whether what I was being told in school about that is accurate. But what I can tell you is this is after he was already elected. Joe Biden was clearly in steep cognitive decline during the primaries, and they chose him to be their candidate. And by That's the way- Reagan's age was an issue when he ran. He was 69 years old when he got elected. Mm -hmm. uh, I am older than that. Mm -hmm. Trump is older than that. Biden is older than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was Biden's already trying to beat his own record as our nation's oldest president, which just seems. If crazy. he were to be elected, if he were to serve out his whole second term, he'd be 87 when he left. Oh my god! But this is the media, like right? The average voter who is not heavily politically informed doesn't know that this stuff is going on. They don't see the montages. They of him, know Joe Biden uh, is old. Uh, well, yeah, but they're not seeing the videos of him looking Heather clearly. Heather Clare. Yeah. Tony Bennett just died at 94. Come on. He could have been president. Yeah. Yeah. 90, 96. Look, every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think Joe Biden doesn't sing. You're right. I'll take it back. 96. Joe Biden isn't healthy for his age. You know, he's not. Plus he can't like, sing. But so. I'm yeah. saying, the, the average <laughs> At least there was some utility behind Tony <laughs> also, Bennett. Bring Tony Bennett. He was still productive. Do yeah. you want Tony Bennett singing and dancing until he, until the end of his life? No. Like, where is Joe Biden's family? Be like, hey, man. You've had a long career. Too much money to it be made. It seems like it's Too time much to step back. To well, this is the thing yeah, with Joe Biden. For them. I, That's crazy. I think that it's possible. We don't know why God makes the decision he made right. uh, or makes his thoughts are not our thoughts. Joe Biden is an old man who we know has done many horrible things and promoted many horrible things. This could be God's way of giving him as many second chances to repent as possible. Let's hope he takes one of them at some point. Let me give you my prediction. Mm -hmm. People are, are now speculating that uh, Joe Biden won't be able to, to make it, won't be able to fog up a mirror, uh, and Kamala Harris is even less popular. The nominee, if Joe Biden cannot fog up a mirror, will be Kamala Harris, and here's why. When Bernie Sanders won the Nevada caucuses uh, in 2020, and for a moment, for a brief shining moment, he became the party's front runner, a Democrat socialist. They panicked. James Clyburn, on the eve of the South Carolina primary, uh, endorsed Joe Biden with a promise that his first Supreme Court nominee would be a black female. Joe Biden hired a black female to be his running mate. Gavin Newsom, when it appeared that Dianne Feinstein might not serve out her last term, promised to appoint a black female. 
to kick aside the first black female who's on base to become the first black female president by a white person like Mayor Pete or Gavin Newsom, black voters will be livid. And the first primary is where? South Carolina. And 60% of the voters are black. Majority of those are black female. And the polls show black females love, love, love Kamala Harris. And they resent the mocking of her so-called cackle. They think it's sexist and racist. And they believe that Joe Biden's given her thankless tasks like finding the root causes of illegal immigration. So if you if you do that and shove her aside for somebody else, who's white black voters won't vote Republican they just won't vote yeah. thereby guaranteeing that whoever the nominee is on the Republican side he or she will win they can't do that so they are stuck with Biden Harris that, that, that is, is so interesting I've never yeah. heard that analysis before so thank you can, can, thank, I, thank you. can I ask thank, thank, you. thank you very much <laughs> and if I'm wrong this didn't happen yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what would you say uh, I'm curious do you know what the polling data is on black men and black men and Kamala Harris I don't. I'm sure she's not as popular among black men as she is among black females. By the way, black men, 20% of them voted for uh, Republicans in 2020. Well, that's the thing. The the uh, share of black men voting Republican has increased since up, Trump yeah. has con- yeah. come on the scene. Trump got 8% of the black vote in 2016. He got 12% in 2020, 50% increase. We got 20% of the black male vote. But wow. I thought Joe Biden said, if you don't Joe Biden, you're not... Black. Well, yeah, Joe right. Biden was raised and, in the by, black And by the church. way, he said that on Charlemagne the God show. Yeah. Yes. And Charlemagne the God wasn't even insulted. Oh, yeah. man. If you look at the tape, Biden says, wait, 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 wait. Hey, if you don't know if you want to vote for me, you vote for Trump. You ain't really black. And, and Charlemagne wasn't even insulted. Here he is, this white dude who's lied for decades about his civil rights record, claiming that he segregated, desegregated movie theaters and restaurants in Delaware. No evidence he ever did it. He was raised in the black church. People in the black church said they never saw him. He's lied and lied and lied, said he tried to visit Nelson Mandela during apartheid South Africa. No evidence of it. He's lied for decades about his civil rights record and tells you, Charlemagne the God, a black man who's down with the brothers you ain't really black if you don't want to vote for me and he wasn't even insulted well and not but only, i am the black face of white supremacy yeah. not only has biden lied about his civil rights record but he openly publicly stated very early on in his career that he wasn't marching in selma he made all sorts of statements early on distancing himself from the civil rights movement and, and now that. today he says the whole reason i got into politics was the civil rights movement and I was like, what, to oppose it? Right. Like Yeah. He, he said the reason the reason and the reason he ran was because Charlottesville. That, guy, that guy, Donald Trump, you know, he said uh there were good guys and bad guys on the side of being fascist. And of course Donald Trump never said anything nope. like that. He said the opposite. He said, quote, and I'm not talking about the white nationalists and neo Nazis because they should be condemned totally, end of quote. That's right. Even Jake Tapper, two years after the incident, said, you know, I went back and looked at the tape, and Donald Trump was talking about the debate on whether or not there should be a Confederate monument in the public square. And then two days after Jake Tapper said it, Biden is on CNN and says it again. And nobody said a word. Just blatantly lied. Yep. Uh, typical sleepy Joe. That one gamer said, I'm proud to say that Larry was my first vote in L.A. County in the gubernatorial recall. Just curious as to what Larry's thoughts are on gun control. Uh, what do you think? I, uh-huh. I'm a Second Amendment guy. Uh-huh. Interesting. Uh, we're talking about um, Donald Trump a moment ago. How many times have the Democrats referred to him as a tyrant or a dictator or a fascist? Mm. I ask you, gentlemen and lady, what is the purpose of the Second Amendment? Uh, to keep him bare arms to fight tyranny. 
Hello. Yeah. So if you believe Donald Trump is a tyrant, why in the world would you want further gun control restrictions when, after all, the amendment is designed to prevent somebody like Donald Trump, the tyrant, from taking power? Exactly. You ought to be hoping that more law-abiding people have more guns. It yep. seems it, like it, the tyrant would be the one saying, which, you which know, means, give me your which guns. Which means either they're lying and being a demagogue when they refer to him as a tyrant, or they have no clue what the Second Amendment's really for. They don't really know warm. what the Second either Amendment's were, for. Either way, it's bad. Yeah. It, they don't know what the Second Amendment's for. Yeah. They, they don't actually believe that that's... Uh, they don't understand anything about re- well-regulated militia. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it's open to their interpretation, which mm-hmm. is just not the accurate right. interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Hannah Claire, is it me? <laughs> or was Lindell mad sketchy today? A lot of huff and puff, dot, dot, dot. Well done this week, y'all. Not even one YouTube strike. Thank you guys so much. I mean, first off. What's he referring to? Yeah. Well, this morning I hosted our Culture War show, which is a debate program. And I had Matt Brainerd on and he wanted to talk to Mike Lindell about election security. And, uh, you know, really it was about it was supposed to be about early voter turnout. There was a lot of heated back and forth. And mm-hmm. uh, I will say it's not that I thought Mike Lindell was sketchy. It's just that uh, I think there was a lot of. Uh, I feel like I shouldn't review the debate, but I feel like there was a lot of tension in the room. You know, they're both people who feel really strongly and passionately about what they do. And occasionally it felt like they were going back and forth about, well, you're questioning me. Well, you're questioning me. Um, But I am ultimately so grateful to have the opportunity to have people who want to see, um, you know, their parties victory have victory and they want to see change in america so mike lindell really wants to uh find ways to have more secure elections to make sure that your vote matters and uh, matt brainerd is is of course advocating for early voting because Mm -hmm. he says you know these are the tools we have at hand and we need to push forward with that and i think it's an important conversation uh but lively very very (laughs) lively serge and i uh i think both had to get our ears checked afterward it's interesting that the uh the democrats have quote put democracy on the ballot when they refer to people like Donald Trump, uh, who believes that the election was stolen as undermining our republic. For the entirety of Trump's term, Hillary Clinton referred to him as illegitimate, said the election was stolen. That's right. Uh, nobody called her an election denier. Uh, and Jay Johnson, Obama's DHS secretary, testified under oath that while the Russians tried, they failed to change a single vote tally in 2016. Mm-hmm. There was a YouGov poll Two-thirds, 66% of Democrats believe the Russians, quote, change vote tallies, close quote, to elect Donald Trump. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Zero evidence voters. Yep. So who's being deluded? Poll. A greater percentage of those guys believe that 2016 was stolen than we feel 2020 was stolen. But yeah. nobody calls them election deniers. Well, when they claimed the election was stolen, we investigated the candidate. When Republicans claimed the election was stolen, they investigated the Republicans. So yeah. that's all you need to know about that. Noah Sanders says, when are these Tim Cass beanies going to be available for at least members? Give the people what they want, Potato Man. Firstly, I don't appreciate the slur against my Irish ethnicity. That was very rude. That was a hate crime. Potato Man. I I think that's a hate crime. Secondly, what do you mean? This is just how we normally dress. What are they talking about? I don't know, Tim. I'm not really sure. Tim, do you know? By by the way, why why is it okay to call the Notre Dame fighting Irish? Why aren't people upset about that? I think no one's even willing to come to the defense of the idea that that stereotype's not true they're like no that's just how they are but, and but i assume you don't find that offensive no i don't yeah. it's actually funny because mm-hmm. I, I remember being a little kid and seeing it and finding it offensive and then i was like mom look at that and she laughed at it she's like oh it's funny right and then i was like okay i guess that's uh, what we do when and people make fun of our extremist. people i said mom how dare you i said you're a self-hating irish yeah. i've not heard anybody complain about it I'm not, don't get me wrong i just wonder no why. no no it's I, a good question no okay. i agree with you it's it's because it's stupid to complain who cares it's a little joke it's right. a little caricature but like but the 
Washington Redskins. That's got to go. But yeah, that's horrible. That's got to go. Dude, well, it's funny because Cleveland this, Indians got to go. This guy, there was, there's a, a funny picture of um, uh, a Native American dude wearing a shirt that says like Caucasians. the Caucasians, mm-hmm. and liberals are like, "Oh, how would you feel about that?" I was like, "Every white person I know thinks that's funny." <laughs> yeah, think that was that's really, really funny. And that's a funny joke. The Cleveland okay. Caucasians. I've actually yeah, yeah, talked yeah. to a friend of mine who's Native American, and one of the reasons they say that uh, why it's less offensive for the fighting Irish is because there were Irish people of Irish extraction that were on the board of the school. So it's not seen that way. Whereas when these other organizations were formed, whether we're talking about, we're not talking about not the Redskins, but um, if we're talking about the Indians, right? Like, the ideas there, they were like, they had the first uh, Native American players. That's right. right? And it was right? named after him. Exactly. It was to honor this guy. But now they're saying that there's nobody in the front office. His name was Sokolexix. Yes. Sokolexix. Uh, and then him and, and, him, they, and then they, two more yeah, right after that, right? right? So, so they were doing it to honor him. They weren't doing yeah. it to even talk about a tribe or anything. Too much time So what's the passed. problem? Yeah. yeah. But this never comes up. I feel like this is the first I've ever heard this yeah. information. But the, the reason is what they're saying is that because there's nobody in the front office that actually has voting power for the team, that that makes it offensive. Representation. Yes. Whereas on the boards of uh, on the board of Notre Dame, you know, you're going to have somebody who's representing the players who are on the team. Yes. But that representation is irrelevant. Celtics is okay too, right? Well, I I have a theory about this. Celtics. Celtics, Yeah, I know. I, I have I have a theory about this, which is okay. So when you have a good friendship with somebody. You can make fun of them. You can poke fun at each other, and it's fine. Right. If you're in a healthy relationship with someone, your, your girlfriend or your wife, you can tease each other. You can make fun of each other. But sometimes you see that couple who joke about each other, and they're clearly being nasty yeah. and trying to disguise it as banter, and it's extremely uncomfortable. I think where we are as a nation today with racial politics is we are that second couple where you make a joke and maybe even in the moment, the joke you're making is just lighthearted, but because the relationship's gotten so sour, people are angered by it. People think you're making a dig. Mm -hmm. Whereas when the races are actually getting along, we're able to make fun of each other. It's actually a sign of health when different racial groups can make fun of each other for things that are unique to that group. And again, <laughs> if, if it's your friend group, I, I think that's one of the differences, right? When we're talking about the internet, these are people you don't know in the real world. Well, if it's your friend group, yeah. That's different. Unless your friends throw you overboard. Let's take Bill exactly. Maher. Remember when Bill Maher made that joke where he was talking to Senator, I think it was Josh Hawley, uh, and he said, I would have been a house inward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he got hammered, and Ice Cube goes on his show and says, I knew you were going to F up at some point. Mm-hmm. He got hammered. Now, Bill Maher prides himself on his friendship with, with blacks, has a lot of black friends. I'm confident privately they shoot the N-word back and forth all the mm-hmm. time. So he said it in a joking way. I thought it was funny. And he got hammered, and not a single one of his black friends stood up and said, "Yo, oh, come on, Bill's mm-hmm. down with us." We joke him like this all the time. They threw him under the bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right that that's very possible, especially because if someone's going to say that on television to a black person, the idea that they haven't like <laughs> tested uh, that with their own little market research well, behind said, the well, scenes—he said, said, said crazy. It to a white person, a yeah. senator. Oh, I Josh Hawley of Missouri. Yeah. Oh, Josh I, there were no, so there were no so black even people funnier. on the show. It was even funnier. He said. <laughs> He said, well, you would have been, I forget where how it came up. You would have been a slave. No, I would have been a house N-word. Something like and that. And it was funny. I thought it was funny. And I'm, what I'm saying is none of his black friends stood up and said, come on. It was funny, A and B. Bill Maher and I were good friends. He's down with the people. We say this kind of stuff privately all the time. It was an innocent joke. Nobody backed him up. They all threw him under the bus. So they didn't want to get canceled by the black community. That's crazy. We have one from uh, Bruce Maximus. For Mr. Elder, would allowing churches or similar to establish boarding schools to enact cultural, uh, excuse me, cult- culture transplant 
under the school choice initiatives be able to ameliorate some moral, some modern moral degradation? Do I believe that churches should set up schools to, to teach people stuff? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need school choice technically to yeah, do that. The church that I go to has all sorts of uh, uh, schools, camps, and things like that. I'm encouraging churches to get involved. I mean, it's crazy that we ever decided that education should be the primary responsibility and duty of the state, right? This is what for, families for, should do. And for, it's what for the majority of our nation's history, it was not. Yeah. It was done by communities, organizations in the community. And there's no and there's no evidence that with the state took it over, the equality has gotten any better. Mm. What was the reason? I mean, did this have a lot to do with um, cities, like cities expanding? Had everything to do with people wanting to get paid more. Okay. Um, Oh, sorry. I wasn't sure if you. I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, um, I had a brilliant thought, and you. And no, no, no. Go ahead. Give no, no, it. No, 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 it. no. It's gone. Dis- disappeared. I hate it's gone, all gone, my gone, gone forever. I'm a How horrible host. How did you host. do this? Yeah. The, collect- thought- the collective IQ of the whole audience has now gone down <laughs> no, five down. points. Look all what you because guys of did. You all because of shame. It's not my fault. Yes, it is. Not my fault at all. Robbed us of this. It's because they. It's the fault of the fighting Irish. It's. <laughs> the racism I, I knew it all yeah. every day yes, on right. this show. Yes, this right. is unbelievable. Racism has weird as ugly head. This is this is, this is how I end podcast. my week. Yes. This whole sad. week I'm working it's hard sad. to host yeah. for the black Tim. Face yeah. of white supremacy. You really are the black face right. of white supremacy. Calling me the, the race fighting card. Irish. Do not leave home without it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's the thing about the race card. I'm Irish, which means we weren't considered white until being white meant you had to apologize for being white. So we like got in at the worst possible moment. Unbelievably frustrating. I'm also Slavic, which I've been told means that I'm a person of color. You actually are, yeah, according to yeah, some. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we just had Gay Pride Month. We should have a Take It Easy on the White Man Month. That, you, <laughs> I would agree. I think yeah. that should be every Light, month. Lighten up on Whitey Month. Yeah, exactly. yeah. As president, <laughs> it's, which it's, one it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. It is brutal, man. Yeah. It's rough It out is here not a good year to be a white male. It has been for a couple years, though. Yeah. I'm yeah. just going to yeah. say. A couple years. Sometime now. You guys have had some problems. We have, well, like I said, it's we've talking about this it's, it's okay to bash white people it's okay to bash men it's okay to bash straight people it's okay to bash christians not only okay actually that's too light we mm-hmm. say it's okay it's not okay like you're required to yeah you are actually required to hate white people to hate men to hate the family to hate christians well seamus um, they've held power for too long that's right. Well, these, I know. Time's up. I was, those white men just <laughs> gotta right. get out of the way and right. let the rest of us have a voice. Um, it's, well, it's one of these crazy things. Every now and again, you'll have some award ceremony that people cry about giving a majority of their awards to white people, and it ends up being proportionate to the population. Yeah. So it's like, you know, they, they gave 65% of their awards to white people. It's like, well, yeah, that's because it's like 65% of people in the country. Okay, never mind. It's like, we don't, let's. <laughs> no, no, we can't you, talk we about can't the proportion per of the country. We can't there do per capita. There are a lot of white people in this country. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, it's yeah. A boatload of them. No, I've noticed yeah. far too many, you know, and it really bothers me. That's the other thing, too. They can literally cheer don't about worry, that. Don't worry, they're there a global minority, so you don't have to, you well, don't have to stress about it. And, and that, that can be cheered for, right? When somebody says, like, yeah, statistically in the United States, if trends continue, white people are going to be a minority, like, left-wing people will celebrate that. Could you imagine celebrating that about any other group of people? Sickening. It's really sickening. We had a super chat pulled up here, but then I guess you could say I lost my train of thought. Here we go. Uh, Bruce Maximus. For Mr. Elder... Would you then consolidate all taxes into one figure? That is, remove corporate tax and place it in the income tax as the consumer pays it either way, so better to make it apparent. Well, you don't want to know what I would do if I were in charge. I will tell you, if I were in charge, I would limit taxes to what the founding fathers intended, which is, as I said earlier, mm-hmm. the limited governments mm-hmm. of limited duties, powers of government, uh, government would be so small that uh, it's obligations would be funded on duties and tariffs, which is what the founding fathers intended. In, in, the Constitution yeah. had to be amended for the for the income tax. If you look at the That's Constitution, right. none of this stuff, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, none of that was envisioned by the founding fathers. 
And can I ask so you if this? I, if I could rule the world, which I could, which I can't, I'd put it back to, to that. Do you think it would be possible? You mentioned that you wanted spending to be at 10% mm -hmm. of GDP. Do you think it would be possible to have that much revenue with those policies? Yes. Uh, if you look at uh, some of the things that we, meaning the government operates, whether it's Amtrak, whether it's the national uh, parks, there are lots of things that could be leased. Um, the Hoover Dam, I could go on and on and on about things that the government is running that the private sector could run and we could generate fees and uh, uh, meet the small limited obligations that the federal government is supposed to have. Yes, we can, it could be done. Okay, here's uh, is this one. This yeah. is uh, so from Dan Sherman. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, from Roma Nation. Do you think there's a possibility that the reason Biden was chosen by the quote deep state unquote was to fix the issues that he created with the Ukraine scandal so it doesn't expose other people in the government doing the same thing? Um, I think Tim I said that, something like that last week. But th here's the thing. There, our government's been doing a lot of meddling in Ukraine, and there are a lot of political leaders who have an incentive to cover that up. It's not like Joe Biden's the only person who, who would be able to do that. I don't know. What do you, you guys know, think? Re regarding Ukraine in, in general, uh, Putin has already lost his war. Mm. Uh, when the invasion started, I watched a lot of television. I watched a lot of these uh, pundits, including on Fox. They all thought the the invasion would take two or three days, maybe a couple of weeks, uh, and then uh, Ukraine would be flattened. The only issue was how far Putin would go. Would he threaten the NATO countries and invoke Article 5? This is now deep into the second year. Putin has lost at least 200,000 troops. That would be the equivalent of us lo losing 400,000 troops. 20 generals have been killed either on the battlefield or have disappeared. There's been an attempted coup. Uh, he's, his his hold on power has never been more tenuous. Um, he's looking for an off-ramp. We ought to give him one. Mm. Mm. We have here from Satasha Catergator. Keeping families together and promoting the Catholic sense of subsidiarity would solve a myriad of socioeconomic issues. Completely agreed, mm -hmm. uh, by the way. Oh, Catholic also, I want to that's, I know, shocking. shocking. Also, there's a conspiracy. An echo chamber. Uh, also, hold say. on. We, her, her and I don't clearly don't always agree on everything because she just said, also, I want to publicly apologize for accusing Seamus of stealing anything. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I deserve that. Did she that, accuse you so. of stealing something? So I've been accused of stealing spoons from Tim. There's been a heinous smear campaign. <laughs> People we talked have about been it today making stories show. up about me. It's really just not acceptable. Uh, and so I have been maintaining my innocence. You guys know me. You know I wouldn't you do something stealing. like this. You were stealing. You were just an undocumented shopper. I wasn't even an undocumented shopper. Mm -hmm. You guys know me. You know I wouldn't do something like that. I would never do something like that. I still have yet to see Seamus use a spoon. I just want to say that. There we go. Look he, at that. What, he his fingers? Point. I've I, seen him use forks, I've seen him use oh, knives, I've never so seen does, him use so he, a spoon. So he does use cut, cutlery? Yes, he, okay, he is civilized right. enough civilized. to use cutlery. Yeah, I've never, and there you have it, from the, the one of the best journalists, if I do say so myself, mm -hmm. here at TimCast, mm -hmm. that I didn't do anything, is what you just said. One of the best journalists in this room, at the very least. No, no, I wouldn't go that far. I said one of the, the, one of the, the best the only, in this room. The only one, the only one. Yes, no, no, thank no, no, you for admitting that I am the only journalist in this room. Oh, But that I normally say I'm a writer at TimCast.com. That's unbelievable. No, no, I've been endorsed by a presidential candidate. You guys can't stop me now. That's right. Well, that's you're, because you're be I'm press, speaking. My, that's my press because, secretary. That's because I'm speaking go. truth to power. I'm that's because I'm speaking truth to power. No, no, I have a new job now. I'm a future yeah. press, press secretary. You're, you're you're good enough at BSing to be a press yeah. secretary. Yeah. I think you can yeah. do it. So if you want uh, HC to be my press secretary, I need forty thousand individual <laughs> donors. Give me one dollar. Go to LarryOdo.com. Make sure I get up there in that debate stage to make I, sure that she becomes my press secretary. I now have stake in this game, that's guys. Right. I need forty thousand. Right. You have to do it now. Just to all give one dollar. I incentivized her. You have. By the way, you know one of the candidates is offering a twenty dollar gift certificate for every one dollar donation what is what? this the covid vaccine and another one is offering a quote free concert if you donate one dollar another one is giving uh giving uh, uh donors 
a commission to seek other potential donors. Well, I'm, you, I'm not doing that. I'm these doing seem it, like good deals. I'm doing it the old-fashioned way. I'm asking people what? for their support. What's, what's the concert? Is it Taylor Swift? It's a it's a country western concert. Some guy I don't. Mm, I don't that's know. not my that's not my genre. I, I would consider if it's Taylor Swift. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> All right. Those no, tickets are not, going for. I, I, I know it's not Taylor Swift. Penny. Okay. Then, yeah. then I'm back to running yeah. for press secretary. <laughs> back to running president. <laughs> um, we have. Chad Cunego, author, who said, instead of term limits, what about having term penalties? In other words, for every term you win, you have to win by a higher percentage at the next election. Uh, I've never heard that before. I, I, I mean, that's creative. It, it is creative, and He's I think it's a better idea. Yeah, I think it's a better idea than term limits, but I also don't think that would be a, a ideal. Uh, I, I'll think about it more, though. Mm -hmm. uh, Dan Sherman said, the term limits could be like a 401k vesting. An elected official needs to serve so many years to get benefits. Don't get reelected. No benefits. Yeah. I mean, look. Yeah, you the, the go ahead. The problem with all these ideas, Seamus, is that we ultimately get the government that we vote for. It's, yes. the, it's the people who are yes. voting these guys. Tax, spend, regulate, grow the government, and you keep putting them back there and back there and back there. California is a prime example. We're, we're having a huge homeless problem. We, our schools are near the bottom. The average price of a home is 175% above the national average. People are leaving for the first time, and yet they still keep voting these people back in. Two-thirds of the state assembly are Democrats. Two-thirds of the state senator are Democrats. Republicans need not even show up for work. And they could pass one job killing bill after another. Uh, Crucidist viewing says, Larry, do you believe the Civil Rights Act is constitution or even good in a utilitarian sense? That's an interesting question. Um, I believe that had uh, uh, we not passed the Civil Rights Bill, eventually Jim Crow would have fallen of its own merit because nobody would have gone to a restaurant. Nobody would have gone to a state mm. where we have Jim Crow laws. So it, it sped up something that I think would have happened ultimately anyway. Yeah, well, I think there's a good argument to be made that companies want to be able to serve a wider variety of people, mm -hmm. and these laws being imposed on them actually made it harder for them to make a profit. So not even from the perspective of them wanting to care about helping people, you could just imagine companies wanting to lobby and push against these on the basis of it costing them money. You know, and these private companies, private bus companies, they wanted to be able to serve yeah, everybody. of course. Uh, the government had to stop them from doing it, which is what the Jim Crow laws did. Plessy v. Ver v. Ferguson was 1986. Uh, the case started because the railroads wanted to be able to service black people. Mm -hmm. So they had a light-skinned black person sit in the whites-only area so that they would start a lawsuit they thought they were going to win. They wanted, the private sector wanted people to be able to be comfortable because they wanted, they wanted to make money. Well, and you can also imagine for, for buses or other forms of public transit, uh, at this time, especially in the South, with the economic disparity that existed between black people and white people, it would be less likely for a black person to own a car. So you actually had a larger customer base there that they were forced by the government to discriminate right. against. So uh, there was every incentive on their part not to do this. Um, we have from Carlo Mango TV, Mr. Elder, how can we save, uh, how can we save California or are we doomed like Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, I liken it to a drug addict. You've got to hit rock bottom, and at that point, you begin to rethink your assumptions. Apparently, California has not yet hit rock bottom. I still am convinced most voters are commonsensical, and if you can explain to them that it is in their best interest to do X, Y, and Z, they will. I believe that the captain of the Titanic would have taken evasive action had he known iceberg is ahead. It's our job to tell them, hey, voters, iceberg ahead. Take evasive action. Mm. Well, we are uh, a minute over, so uh, it's about time Do I, do time I get, do I get overtime? No, you don't. Do uh, I get overtime? But maybe, but maybe I, I do. Know. I'll you, ask. You know, slave, I'll, I'll see you know slavery's just, over. <laughs> slavery's <laughs> over. <laughs> slavery's I, over. I, maybe, they should, maybe they should bring it back. I wouldn't have to work so hard. I would like to Come thank on, all of cast. Why is, is everything pointed at me? Yeah. Listen. Um, because okay. you put your name on the show this week. 
You sucked a whole minute out of my life. I'll never get back. That show decided to put my name on it because he knew yes. I was the best person for the job, Hannah mm-hmm. Claire. That's just how meritocracy works. I, I want you all to smash that like button. I have a book called As Goes California. Oh no, yeah, I'm not I'm still gonna give you time to plug your stuff. Oh, okay. I just want to let the audience plug, know. plug my stuff. All right. Yeah, of course. Become <laughs> a member at all of your work. Become a member at Timcast.com. That's what I was asking all of you to do. Desperately holding on to control of the show. I will just let you my stuff. Man. The things you're trying Sounds to promote. Like a sexual device. This oh, is gross. contraceptive device. You know what? You got to get your mind out of the gutter. Okay. So become a member at TimCast.com. Would <laughs> you best yes, people? Become a member. Thank you for joining us, Larry. <laughs> Anything uh, you'd I, like I, to promote? Yes, yes, please go to my website, uh, LarryOlder.com. Uh, contribute one dollar so I can get up there on that debate stage and plug my stuff. Uh, <laughs> I've got a book called As Goes California. <laughs> My mission to rescue the Golden State uh, and save America. It comes out in September. You can pre-order it on Barnes & Noble or on Amazon.com. Well, this was delightful. I am the only journalist in this room, as said by That's Mr. Larry Elder. Old. And apparently He's I could be your, your future press secretary. Um, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute delight. Both thank an you. extremely f- informed and very fun conversation. Um, I First and foremost, think we should all give a shout out to Seamus, who has you. Uh, thank really you. just held yes, everything. Thank you. Right. You guys are If you guys kind. don't know, Seamus runs his own company, Freedom Tunes. He has a, his own life, as it turns out. And also, he uh, really just did incredible work this week. And I, I'm so grateful to have been able to be on the show with you every night so yeah uh, yeah great work well you're uh, a massive help by the way no. hannah claire and i would have like study sessions where she would we would get stories ready and so couldn't have done it without you you know you it takes tremendous a, help it takes a village to replace tim pool <laughs> so we really all just tried <laughs> That's to true. Hold together and again thank you guys all for uh joining us all week for putting up with some slight changes and for our, our quirky personalities uh I, we really do it all for you and speaking of which i'm incredibly grateful that all of you who became members and support my work on timcast.com and the work of all the other journalists uh you should follow at timcast news on twitter and instagram check us out on the read tab of timcast.com uh again made possible by you and i'm very proud of the work that uh adrian norman chris burtman cassandra fairbanks mcdonald and chris carr and i do if there's anyone else i'm forgetting on the team i'm very sorry uh if you want to follow me personally you can find me on twitter at hc brimlow you can find me on instagram hannah and you can check out the latest episode of culture world thanks so much all right guys oh wait sorry <clears throat> Guys, no. Uh, <laughs> Tell Brett us about da- the South Side yeah, of Chicago. Yes, yeah. What was the South Side like? Yes. yes. At Brett Dasovic on both Twitter and Instagram, please go and check out Pop Culture Crisis Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Me and Mary have a lot of fun over there. Come join us. Can I just, 30 seconds? Yeah. No? Yeah, yeah. You wanna, you wanna uh, I'm on Twitter something? at Larry Elder. I'm on uh, Instagram. I am on True go. Social. I'm on Threads. I have a question for Seamus. Yes. Why is it we're talking about your name and how you yes, got your name? Yes, yes, sir. Why is it that private detectives are called Seamuses? You know why? What's, it's what's it's because about? of a hurtful racial stereotype that white people were more likely, or that Irish people were more likely to become members of law enforcement. Hmm. Something like I that. Didn't know that. Yeah, I, I think I think that detectives are more likely to be Irish. And there is a stereotype about Irish well police. I know it hurts me. It pains me deeply. Yeah. I think it's because people named Seamus are really good at figuring stuff out. Okay, okay Scooby Doo, sir. Uh, yeah, this has been a fun week. It has been stressful, but uh, I feel like we did well, Seamus. Good job. Yeah, man. And you did an awesome job, by the way. Serge was this whole week giving me cues and just extremely helpful. And so Serge thank passed you. me passed me the post-it note while I was on. Yes. We, we first started. I don't have my glasses. So I couldn't read this. <laughs> <laughs> so just, you figured just, it out. I just want you to know. Seamus <laughs> was going, 
<laughs> so okay, so so there. So, yes. And yes. The, the professional search. radio host figured out he needed to so, read right. it to his. So mic. search. I need yeah. big letters. Okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It isn't that I can't read. I just need big letters. Totally. I need to get bigger post-it notes. And I was going like this. Going like this. What is, what is bigger, this? bigger post-it notes yeah, are yes. bigger paper cranes. Would just you please. Oh yeah, good point. Would you please fill the top of your. It was just so you tilt the mic. Would you please fill the top of your tilt. Oh yeah, faces. I write terribly. Would you please fill your face? Why do you communicate with the post-it notes? Also insulting your hand. Yeah. 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 No. I understand. I, I wrote terribly, but you Boom. guys can follow me at Twitter, and I won't write stuff in my handwriting. I'll use the Thank type you. of you? the computer. Anyways, thanks. Cheers. What a way to end yes. Shimcast this right. wonderful week. I want to ask all of you guys, because I have to make some plugs as well. Go over to freedomtunes.com. Become a member if you like me, if you like what I do, if you want to support artists who are creating content, who aren't woke, who are trying to push back against the left-wing narrative, and just make entertaining stuff. Go to freedomtunes.com. Become a member. You will get an extra card tune each week that people on the main youtube channel don't uh i want to thank you all so much for watching if you want to see more of me podcasting check out my rumble right. podcast shamer go on over there subscribe thank you all so much and i will see you when i'm back on the show eventually Andy, when that and as we say in the hood boom shagalaga laga boom shagalaga <laughs> all right Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.